You're now listening to J House Podcast Radio in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Man, six guy praying hands like I'm a religious man, but I'm just a sicker man. Thirty, baby, won't you meet me by the beam? Too early, maybe later you could show me things. You know what it is whenever I visit Windy City, she blowing me kisses. No, thirty degrees, way too cold, so hold me tight. Well, I see you at the show tonight. Will I see you at the show tonight? Hey, truck to the plane to the truck. Yo, what's up, bro? What's up? Chilling, man. Chilling, chilling. I uh, tried to get a hold of Eric, but I think he might Matt, but he might be busy tonight. So, but I sent him an invite anyway, just in case. But um, what's up, man? How you doing? Yeah. I'm here. Give me a second. All good. All right. We're good now. We're good. I'm not sure why, man. Like every time, like for the last 10 podcasts, every time we start off for whatever reason, my service starts off horrible. Yeah. Minute. I don't know why. Yeah weird but how you doing bro i'm doing good man doing good you know uh vibing down uh getting ready to get uh strapped up into this new year so uh yeah man i'm I'm good bro i can't complain about nothing life is good peace 20 we will not miss you. we will not it's been such a crazy year bro crazy crazy i mean th- th- this year sucks the the only saving grace and i'm knocking on wood for this is that it could be possible that my two favorite football teams both win championships this year. It's possible. The alignment would be so freaking crazy. The alignment now, would be crazy. I, I think it's way more likely that Bama wins the championship than Green Bay wins the Super Bowl. Yeah. But, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. No, absolutely not. And yeah. Especially not after I watch the Packers shut down one of my all-time favorite Bama players. You talk about being torn on a game. <laughs> I mean, that was hard because it's like it's my favorite team versus Derrick Henry. And yeah. I'll never I'll never forget watching Derrick Henry and play for Bama. Yeah. That was one of my all-time favorite seasons. That dude, dude's a freak. Like, he was scary that year. He was scary. He he's still scary, man. Yeah. But we ain't here to talk about football. We're here to talk about a movie that uh, I just watched last night, and actually watched again earlier today. Yeah. Because I like to watch, I, I like to watch movies twice. Mm. Um. Now let me say this though, real quick. Um. I'm enjoying this streaming thing a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah, <laughs> because I've never watched. It. I mean, it, it's been so long. Yeah, since I haven't gone to the theaters to see a DC movie. Yeah, I saw Shazam in theaters. I saw Aquaman. I I think I missed Wonder Woman, the first one. 
but I saw Batman v Superman, that god awful Suicide Squad movie. Uh, I still want my money back on that one. Uh, yeah, I'm kidding. I worked at the theater at the time, so I saw it for free. Absolutely, uh, but I still, but I still want my money back, uh, even though I didn't pay nothing. So much I hate that movie. Yeah, but. I'm not going to lie, man. It was pretty cool last night to just, you know, crack open a Guinness, pop some popcorn, get back on the on the old bed and just chill and watch a movie. Yeah. <clears throat> Whole nother experience. I'm. It's nothing at all like going to the theater, though. For anybody who tries to say that it's just as good, I'm going to say it's a different kind of good because I don't know, man. It's just nothing to me. Can replace the thrill of going to a pack theater and just—it's almost like a roller coaster, man. Yeah, because like watching Endgame in the theaters, I'll never forget that as long as I live. I don't. I, that, I, I don't oh, my bad. My bad. Good. Oh, that theater was lit. Go ahead, man. Yeah, I was saying I don't think I'll ever. I, I was having this conversation with my coworker earlier. I don't think like. I'm like all the things that we took for granted. And I know that I've already said like, you know, Disney plus is given top tier, you know, theater quality at home through Disney plus. But at the same time, I still, you know, I still want theaters to recover and I still, I know they are. And I, I still want to have that experience. I had the, the time of my life going to see infinity war and Endgame back to back. I was blessed enough to be able to see both of those. And like, Man, the experience was was crazy. The experience was crazy. What's up, man? That's crazy. What's up, Matt? You good? It's crazy, dude. Crazy, dude. What's up, bro? Sorry for the last minute oh. invite. I didn't know where you were busy or not. Yeah. Oh, snap. Matt joining us? Yeah. Now? Yeah. He's I, here, bro. I look oh. at my messages and all of a sudden I was like, hey, you want to do a podcast at 10.30? I'm like, oh, fuck, it's 10.36. Nah, you good, bro. You good. <laughs> man. It's a party now. It's a party now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, speaking of party, what episode of uh, My Hero Academia are you on, my guy? No, I'm going to continue tonight. I just watched the first two episodes to dip my toes in. <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> to dip my toes in, and I, I, absolutely, I absolutely enjoyed it. It was great. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I got I to I gotta add, add another one to your list. Yeah, my wife says I can't watch... Um, Sword Art Online without her. Oh yeah, she's or whichever one it was. I forgot, but she said I can't watch it. So I'm like, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna add another one to your list. It's called it's called a uh, Demon Slayer. Demon Slayer. Okay. Yeah, I I kind of I started it I started it this morning, and I'm now on episode twenty. Um, must be. Good. <laughs> it really is. I cried. <laughs> I cried the first four episodes. Yeah, but yeah, we were um we were just discussing um discussing about to get into uh wonder woman 1984 <laughs> and but wait a minute has matt seen wonder woman 1984 i have not well can we do this review with a dude who hadn't seen it it's gonna have to be a it's gonna have to be a, a spoiler free <laughs> no nah, I, I really don't i really don't care at this point <laughs> You know, oh, fair enough. Fair enough. That's good enough for me. I never, I never, I never, I never cared about spoilers. Got you, got you. So, so Eric, to, to to leeway back into what I was saying real quick about the movie, I like to watch everything twice, which is yeah. why I watch Wonder Woman eighty four again. Because sometimes I find myself falling for the hype. 
prime yeah. example would would be Suicide Squad. First time I saw that movie, I actually thought to myself, "Hey, I was pretty good, and I like Jared Leto because I was just so hyped about that movie when it came out. Like I was blinded, I was blinded. Yeah, and I remember I came home and I told my sister how amazing it was, and I went with some friends to go see it. And midway through the movie, I'm like, "Is this the same movie? Yeah. Is this?" Is this, is this, well, what is this? Yeah. What is this? I went full-blown Jack Skellington in the theater. What's this? What's this? There's bullshit everywhere. Like, it was awful. It was awful. Yeah. But, as far as Wonder Woman 84, um, my review didn't change all that much. Uh, I sent you, what I sent you last night is seven. Yeah, you said, um, yeah, you said seven out of ten. I, th- I think I said, well, I'm actually going to change that to a 6.8 out of 10. Uh, and, and I'll explain why in a minute. Um, but very quickly, <laughs> let's go ahead and get the... You want you want to start with the negatives or the positives? Um, let's start... Uh, let's start with the... Um, let's get the negatives on that way. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. So as far as negatives are concerned... My biggest negative for the movie, uh, Cheetah. Goddamn. I, I, I thought Cheetah was, I think I sent you last night, she is the Topher Grace Venom of this movie. In that I'm watching it and I'm kind of thinking to myself the whole time, like, what purpose do you serve? Like, why are, like, what, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Maxwell Lord, that is a character I love, and we'll talk about him later in a minute yeah. when we get to the positives. But as far as Cheetah is concerned, I mean, Kristen Wiig is a great actor, and I've always told you that I love sympathetic villains. Yeah. They're my favorite kind. I love a villain who I can kind of empathize with and be like, okay. You're a bad person, and I don't like what you're doing, but I definitely get where you're coming from with this. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, like, and I like my favorite example is Doctor Octopus from Spider-Man Two. That's like Alfred Molina in that film. I've always called him. He is the Heath Ledger Joker of Marvel movies when it comes to villains for me. Yeah, like the best. Loved him. I mean, this is a dude that was shown at one time contemplating suicide. Yeah. And he's the villain. But as far as Cheetah's concerned, I I got what they were trying to do. They yeah. were going for kind of, you know, social outcast. Now is really, really cool. You know, and they don't want to give that up and go back to being the loser they once were. Yeah. <clears throat> but I just never felt bad for her. I mean, yeah, there was that scene where she stalked by the man and that was terrible. But you know, you you mentioned uh, Electro last night when we were talking about this. Yeah. Here's the difference for me. I felt super bad for Electro, like prior to that, because I mean, you see this guy, he's a loser, just straight up loser. He's he's shown pretending that Spider Man gave him a cake. Because nobody else cares about his birthday. Yeah. 
I mean, it's like like they really went overboard with showing you how much of a loser and how sad Electro's life was. Yeah. But but with Cheetah, it's just like I'm just really shy. People don't really notice me. I just I'm kind of an outcast. You know, and I was just like eh. I'm not I'm not really not picking really. up much. Not sympathy. really buying it, yeah. No, and then I felt like her entire purpose, the only reason she was in the movie, was so that Wonder Woman could have someone to fight at the end. Yeah. I, I thought because you know, she wasn't going to go head-to-head with Maxwell because he didn't have any superpowers. That would have been a pretty one-sided fight. Yeah. So, you know, that they, they had to have someone there. Yeah. Uh, but my ultimate thing is with Cheetah... I did some research into this character because I'm not all that familiar with Cheetah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I was I was looking at the origin stories. She's got about five of them. Yeah. None of them were in the movie. Like this, this was totally original. And this was so, like, this was easily the worst origin story they could have come up for Cheetah compared to what other options were available. There were, you know, options of or from there's other origin stories about how the cheetah is kind of like Black Panther. Yeah. In that it's a it's a long line of warriors. There's power from a potion. There's power from training. Like there's so many cool ways, but they went with nerd makes a wish. Yeah. And turns out Diana also has power. So when she says, "I want to be like Diana." She got superpower. I just felt like Cheetah was rushed. I felt like Cheetah, no, not really rushed, but forced into the movie. I got that vibe that Cheetah <clears throat> really didn't have much reason to be there, and she really brought the movie down for me. Hmm. That's respected. I, I can I can respect that. I can see where you come from with that. Um, <clears throat> for me, I think they're, well, I'm not going to say that Cheetah was a negative for me. I thought she was... Very, I thought she was good. I thought she was good. She's definitely one of those, uh, not the main villain, whereas, you know, it's Maxwell Lord who's the main villain. <clears throat> um, and the conflict lies with him. Uh, Cheetah's more so, she's the the placeholder villain, if, if I may say. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Whereas, you know what I'm saying, um, <clears throat> the real conflict in Spider-Man 3 was between... Sandman and Peter whereas Venom is this yet again a placeholder villain you know what I'm saying so like I saw I, I saw what they were doing with Cheetah I for me it didn't drag the movie down I thought I thought she was she was good you know and she'll definitely be back in future installments <clears throat> she'll be back after that fight um just the simple case of you know socially awkwardness it's the same trope that they used with uh Aldrich Killigan in Iron Man 3, same one in Spider-Man 3. Um, Electro, you pointed out in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, that same, <clears throat> even though they're, they those characters went all different directions, the setup and the way they, they came about was uh, pretty much identical. And so, I mean, for me, I thought Cheetah, for me, I enjoyed Cheetah. So I think she was a, a positive of the movie. Not enough to be like, oh, she stole the show, but she she was she was good. She wasn't really, you know, all that, but she was great. Um, negatives for me about this movie, 
I really can't um, point out. I, I can only point out this one thing that people are bringing up all of a sudden, which I didn't think about, which was Steve Trevor coming back. And once Diana makes a wish with the Godstone, um, she wishes for him back. Of course, it makes her weaker, but Steve comes back in another man's body. And um, yeah, we, we don't have to leave that to imagination about what went down when they were laying in that bed. We don't have, we already know what went down. And so, I mean, some people are pointing out that there's no addressing that in the film, that it's just, you know what I'm saying? Oh, you know, that she unconsciously raped this man who Steve Trevor's body's in. And I'm like, <clears throat> that wasn't really like, I'm like, this happens in almost every other like supernatural TV show or whatever. And you guys don't bat an eye, but you know, Steve Trevor comes back into another man's body and all of a sudden it was an issue. So now it's like one it's like that one thing you see that you can't unsee. So now I'm like now I can't stop thinking about it, but it doesn't it doesn't bog down the whole movie for me that one thing. Um any <clears throat> other than that, there's not much I can say that's negative about this movie. The film in the beginning does start out to me it, it started out kind of like cheesy and then I'm like what are they going for but then it's like the 80s so I'm like okay but that that sort of disappears you know halfway into the film when they start to really get to the core issues of of what's going on and then I'm like okay so aside from that it's, it's just for me it was one of those films that okay I have to push into and see where it goes and then once because I was like man I'm not about to watch this like in the first half second half I'm like oh snap like I can't take my eyes off the screen, so like it was definitely one of those kinds of those kinds of films. So yeah, those are my um, those are my only negatives about Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. So I, I would say my other negative, like I understand that DC isn't Marvel has always been dependent on mm-hmm. movies than DC. But I got to be honest, man, just based off of Wonder Woman, the first one, I did expect a certain level of action in this one. Yeah. And the fight scenes in this film, the action scenes were few and far between. All right. You you had in the beginning, you had her on the island and then you had her, you know, with the mall. Right. You had that scene. And then for God's sake, man, how long is it till the next fight after that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's damn near the end of the movie. So you go from the, the about the 15-minute mark to about the two-hour mark. So it's an hour and 45-minute spot there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, of just, you know, Diana and Steve. Yeah, but I will say I, I will say this though, and this kind of leeways into the positives. Mm-hmm. I really thought somebody needs to uh, to check on 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 Pedro Pascal. Somebody <laughs> needs to check on him. Get somebody needs to check on him. Get that man a back brace. Get him something because that man's got to have back problems from carrying this movie the way he did. <laughs> I mean, he. I really, Eric, I'm not kidding, man. The more I watched this character, the more I fell in love with this character. Yeah. Um, 
I thought Max, the theme of this movie as it went on, you know, about the whole every wish has a price. Yeah. At first, I thought it was corny. I thought but, he, I thought that too. Like I thought he was corny at first. So I'm like, bro, what is your, what's your purpose here? Why are you like, huh? But go ahead. I'm sorry. I thought the first scene where Maxwell was like, oh shit, now this is a villain, was when he was talking to that dude from Egypt. Yeah. And and he was, you know, he was wanting all of his oil, and the dude was like, I already sold my oil, you jackass. And the guy's like, oh, that's okay. Then I'll just take all of your army with me. Yeah. Um, and by the way, and have fun telling your people that you just put up this big-ass wall, cutting them off from water. Yeah. Like, he left. I was like, no, that's cold-blooded. It's cold-blooded. But it, it really showed. I mean, I, I did love the message about, uh, you know, how, you know, you always think your life can be better. And there's just a whole montage of this at the end yeah. of all these people making wishes. And then they're like, oh, God, this is not what I was expecting. This isn't right. what I wanted. Like that one girl, you know, she wished to be famous. Her wish got granted. And then she looks out the window and there's like 100 people trying to break into her store to see her. Yeah. And like that, that was an instant. Like that was a quick moment, but it was a powerful moment. Yeah, uh, but I, I thought the scene in the film that really got to me, and it was like DC playing with my emotions, was whenever Alistair was screaming, "Daddy, I wish you were here." That's my wish. I was like, "Oh, damn!" Yeah, this this movie, this freaking movie right here. Yeah, they going they they going from my heart on this one. Right. They yeah. and they they. They got me. They got me pretty emotional. Yeah. Um, but I mean, overall, man, as far as this movie relates to the future of DC, um, I don't think DC hurt themselves with this one. No. And absolutely. I, I, absolutely I, I'll say this too. I, and I think Matt will probably have some stuff to say on this because this is kind of going to. Before we go to break and come back, this this last little part could kind of be an open discussion because I was yeah. having this thought. I think DC fans right now need to exercise some patience because yeah. I, I think anybody with two eyes understands that DC still has an uphill battle right now. And I think DC has a long way to go. Yeah. Before we can start hollering at Marvel, we got a long way to go. I think we got the D- DC has put themselves in this hole. I think with Wonder Woman eighty four, I think they have begun the climb out. Depending yeah. on where they go from here, but my biggest yeah. concern with DC at this time is what it's always been: the continuity. Like Wonder Woman three has already been announced. Yeah. So, so where are we going with this? What's right. the what? No pun intended, but what's the end game here? Yeah. Like, because I mean, right now, you know, you got the Snyder Cut coming out, which yeah. that movie is an end in and of itself. Right. Well, and then on top of Wonder Woman, you're gonna have Batman. You know, you're gonna have the 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 Matt Reeves Batman, and then you're gonna have the 
Flashpoint the, movie. The Flashpoint, and then the black and yeah. and that and this is a concern I have. This is a legit concern. Yeah, I'm so worried about the continuity. Mm-hmm. And I'll and I'll end it with this, and then I'll let y'all have at it. Because you look at Marvel, like yeah, they've got two studios making their movies. You've had Sony, which has kind of produced your rated R Marvel films that Disney just won't do right now with the MCU. You know, you've had Logan, you've had Deadpool one and two, but that doesn't really mess up the continuity of the MCU because those characters are not in the MCU. So it doesn't, you know, you can follow. Yeah. But Warner Brothers and DC, they're making movies with the same characters, but in different timelines. You see what I'm saying? Like, you're going to have a Flashpoint movie with two Batman in it, Affleck and Keaton. And then you're also going to have a Matt Reeves, Robert Pattinson Batman. So I'm thinking, is it possible people are just going to be like, what's going on here? Like, does DC need to focus more on streamlining these stories and getting a more grounded footing, I should say? Well, um, well, number. I mean, they they talked about this at then they talked about this at DC fandom. You know, they're they're opening up this idea of of a multiverse where, you know, all these different continuities exist, exist like you said, and you know, you have all these different versions of Batman, three different versions of Batman, you know, all these different timelines and universes that now make every single DC movie ever made canon, but just in different timelines. And they, you know, they labeled them, you know, Earth 1, Earth 2, you know, Earth 100, Earth, you know, whatever the case may be. And I think, and and I thought that was a good idea. Um, The only thing that I think they have to do with this is continuity-wise is um, just, you know, label it label the god dog on thing make sure that people understand where they are in 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 the dc multiverse and make sure that they you know understand because dc is trying to give everybody everything that they want you know hey you want you still want solo batman films we got you hey you still want cinematic universe we got you you know it can all exist within that multiverse structure it just depends on how they present it and um you know how it's gonna go and um and you notice like even at the beginning of Wonder Woman 1984 in the intro there is no the DC cinematic universe intro that they normally put in uh Justice League and um and everything else they it, it wasn't there so i mean like they're just sort of playing it chill you know sort of you know just letting everything flow and i'm like that's a good thing that's a good thing um continuity wise as well for as far as Wonder Woman 1984 is concerned, I mean, this is a step in the right direction because it was a very it was a very well balanced film. It, it it had serious moments, it had funny moments. It, it was it was balanced. You know, you had a little bit of both. The first Wonder Woman was kind of a little bit more serious because be it being set in you know World War One, it was a lot more gritty and serious. This time it's set in the 1980s. It's a lot more chill and not as emotional until the end. And so I'm like, I thought that was good. Um, this is a film that's way more in line with what Patty Jenkins and Zack Snyder wanted to do when they first started cooking up Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman in the first place. 
and um and I thought I thought Patty Jenkins did an excellent job with this. The continuity felt right. Um, it just it it flowed, bro. This felt like something out of you know continuing where everyone left off with this thing. And so I thought I thought it did great. Um, one more positive before we had to break was uh, you know I think that you know and a lot of people my own oh Jesus pray for me and you know for my own Snyder Cut people you know, or fans of Zach are like, you know, oh, they, they put the beautiful lie moment in there just, you know, to force that in there to, you know, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, no, no, they didn't. It, it made perfect sense for them to do that. And it flowed well with the story. And, and I thought that they, um, I thought that they did good by that. Cause they, that key, that's also something that keeps in continuity with the early DCEU. And I thought I'm like, that's a good thing. You know, you're going back to, your roots of where you were, you know what I'm saying, sticking with that. And and we're of course, you know, we're seeing the 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 fruits of what happens <laughs> when you do that, you know, like I give a damn about any of these critics, 62% on Rotten Tomatoes, nobody gives a fuck. 5.6 on IMDb, nobody gives a fuck. 59% on Metacritic, nobody gives a fuck. You know what I'm well, saying, but do put some stock in IMBD. Okay, well, I'll, yeah. I'll give I'll give IMDb some credit. But other than that, I mean, this film was a return with great continuity into what DC started out doing. And it's proving that at box office, killing it at box office, the biggest release for film since COVID-19 started and the streaming numbers on HBO Max speak for themselves. So I think this is a W for DC and a W for Warner Media. And I think they need to keep doing this. Forget all. Yep. Forget what critics say. Keep going. Keep doing. It. All right. Before we go on break, I want to. I want to backtrack a little. I want to backtrack a little bit. Yeah. To what you're talking about about the uh, whole multiverse thing. <clears throat> that feels like the biggest cop out in the fucking world. I. Uh... That feels like the biggest fucking. Like, I get it? You know, everybody's like, "Oh, well, DC has multiverse." You know, Marvel has multiverse. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. It's like, but. Like it wasn't, it wasn't touched on. Like it's not like shit where it's like, oh, like you know, with Spider Man, they're talking about the multiverse and all this, and like shit's like it's been brought up before. It's been brought up with the quantum realm and this and that about multiverses. Like they've talked about it. They haven't touched them. They haven't like made a movie on it. But they talked about it. Fucking DC was like, man, we got a lot of shit to cover. Uh, multiverse, boom, done. A problem fixed. We got it. Like, it just feels like a big cop out to me. Well, I can. See that, Matt. I had never thought of it that way. Like oh, it just, it just, it just feels like they're like, well, you know, we have all this shit. You know, we have, we have, we have Robert Pattinson being Batman now, but then we have a movie coming out with Ben Affleck as Batman and fucking Robert Keaton and Batman. Like, ah, oh, well, we got a, we got a multiverse. We got it. Mm, we did it. And the high five rounds, yes. and they jerked themselves off. And they jerked, our, they all jerked themselves off, and you know, I'm just, I would. I would disagree with that. I don't think it is a cop out because you have your successful recipe that you had before you started all this, which was, you know what I'm saying? Solo Batman films. And you've been highly successful off that. You can never go wrong with a Batman trilogy or keeping that going. And on top of that, you've illustrated that you have promise and very good, uh, prospect in doing a shared cinematic universe so 
why not give everybody everything? That's what they announced. No, DC's been cooking this up since DC fandom, since they did that. Or what if they've been cooking it up since right before DC fandom? They were just like, fuck it, multiverse. Because they were like, we have to, we have to do something. Because the, the multiverse is the easiest cop out. It's the, it's the easiest fucking way. It's like the it was a dream ending. It's the, easiest, it? it's, it's the easy. It's the two easiest fucking ways to end something. I think real quick, what Matt's trying to say, just to kind of give you his point of view, and Matt, don't let me put words in your mouth. You tell me if I've misquoted you. I will. I think the point Matt is trying to get at here is that DC understands that they've really put themselves in a bad position because you can't carbon copy what Marvel's doing. You can't do that. Because if you start carbon copying what Marvel's doing, people are going to see it. But you also can't do what they initially did in terms of just like, we got to play catch up. We're going to get our DC universe going and we're not going to do anything like what like, we're going to go out of our way to not be Marvel. Like we're going to be so anti-Marvel. And what he's saying now is what Matt's saying is DC understands they're still in a bad place. So what can they do to kind of still have their toes in the cinematic universe realm, but not, you know, be, you know, call themselves the DCU, giving off the connotation that they're, you know, trying to copy what Marvel's doing. So they figured the best way to do that is to call it the multiverse. And it was and just it was a yeah, I think it was a darn good no. idea because that's where you're at. That's what's. But it, it doesn't feel like there was much thought put into it. They were just like, we got to figure something out. And then some guy at the table was like, multiverse. I'm like, you're a fucking genius. Well, yeah, let, yeah, let's, let's, let's go ahead and roll out the biggest virtual fandom event ever done in pop culture and not plan any of it out. Let's just do that spur. No, the no, they planned, they planned it out. I'm talking about that one thing, that one fucking detail. Nah, it it, it, it doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem It right. just feels... It, it 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 seems as though it was like ten minutes before it fucking started. And they were like multiverse, fuck yeah, what's up? Well, like to me, I, I, I mean, I, I, I mean that. to you, to you, but to me, it just feels it just feels like a little bit of a cop out. Like they were just like, we have a lot of shit that we have to cover, and a lot of shit that don't make sense. What's the easiest way to do that? Multiverse, because it, it never touches on it. They never talk about it. Nothing. It just happened. I respect that. I I respect it. Cause, cause like to me, to me, it feels like Ray becoming a great Jedi. It's like you know, there was not talked about. There was nothing. It was just it just happened. And it's just I don't know. It just it just feels it just feels kind of bleh to me. Uh, uh, I I respect it. I, re- I mean, you can disagree. You can disagree. Yeah, but it, to me, it's just to me, it just feels kind of bleh. I, got you. I respect it. I mean, but we'll, we'll also have to see how this plays out in terms of execution. So, like, for me, I'm not really doing cartwheels over any announcements until I see what, like, how it turns out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, if Warner Brothers, if Warner Brothers, I told Eric this cause when we were doing our whole reaction to fandom, I told him, I said, if they pull this off, they could have something here. Like if they can successfully pull it off, I'm, I'm, I'm holding my breath on if they can pull it off. 
because they couldn't build a standard cinematic universe. So, if they can pull this off, I will call it. If they can pull this off, they will have the biggest turnaround of any cinematic movie history ever. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, and I think now I'm I'm going to say this too, man. I, I just I the the biggest issue I keep facing with this is when I talk to DC fans who were just living in pure denial. And it's kind of sad. And, and I get it. Like, you know, you don't want to admit that your brand has been fucking up for so long and now finds itself considered, you know, I, I hate saying this. This breaks my heart into a thousand pieces. But you're at this point where people are starting to look at you as the other guy. And I hate saying that. But that's where we are. Uh, you know, you got Marvel over here. They're the the guy you got dc the other guy but right now i'm just gonna say wonder woman 84 felt like a step in the right direction um they don't you know eric there's that line from Django: you have my curiosity now you have my attention yeah they don't have my attention yet they've got my curiosity wonder woman 84 piqued my curiosity there were things in there that i liked there were parts of it that was kind of meh overall that it seems solid. I like how we've come full circle here. This this is nice because the first thing that I ever quoted on this podcast was fucking Cell from Dragon Ball Z Abridged and it was, you had my curiosity. Now you have my erection. <laughs> I think about that a lot. Yeah. I think about it a lot. Fine. But, yeah, we have a great second half planned because Eric and I, and now Matt, I didn't even know Matt was going to be here, and I'll be I'll be excited to see whose side Matt's on because uh, we're going to discuss, it's, it's the battle of the superhero versus superhero movies. We are going to break down, compare, and contrast Batman v. Superman with Captain America Civil War. This is not a discussion I look forward to. Lord have mercy. <laughs> but uh, this is a con- this is a conversation that I am going to do my best to keep respectful. But we're just going to see who hits below the belt first. Lord have mercy. All right. It's either going. We'll it's either going to be. It's going to be me. It's going to be me. I'm going to hit below the belt. The MCU titty sucker or the Snyder cum guzzler. We'll see. All right, we'll be back on. We'll be back from break in just a moment. This is J House Podcast Radio. Peace. Yo yo, yo. We back. We back. We back. Oh, right. some water. water. <laughs> well, welcome back to the uh, welcome back to the second half, fellas, of J House Podcast Radio. And I want to I want to begin this intro that right here by saying this. I want to establish this that. Number one, Twitter can be a crazy place, especially when it comes down to film, because no one knows how to properly have, you know, a difference of, I don't like, because that's where it all started. This, this, the Civil War versus Batman v Superman, that come, that's an argument where no matter who you are, no matter if you've been on Twitter for a minute or whether you're just getting on there for the first time, if you're in the DC or Marvel fan, 
uh, fandom, that's going to be an argument that's going to be had forever. Twitter does not hold back like at all. No, not at all. It's not a say. I I saw this thing and this girl like she had she had gotten she had sex with the entire football team at once. Jesus. And the video got leaked, and so she killed herself by jumping in front of a train. Some guy said, "Live by the train, die by the train." And I'm like, Twitter is not a safe space for anybody. Yeah, Twi- not a Twitter. safe space for anybody. Yeah, it, it's it's not a safe space for you to have Ooh. your own opinion. It's not a safe space for to discuss movies. So like this this template came out where Max from uh, Wonder Woman was doing his "Your life is is good, but it could be better" template. Um, I chose to put Civil War and Batman v Superman because to me it's not a discussion where if somebody asked me which one do I think you know was was better I could automatically say you know like oh I just downright despise one and hate the other for me it's a case of I love one passionately and I just love the other you know what I'm saying and so that's the way I feel about Batman v Superman and, and Captain America but for some people, like especially on Twitter, it's just not that case. It's like some people are just like, you know, hell bent on having these two move. Like people, like oh my god, some people think it's a conspiracy. They're like, well, da 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 da. I heard such and such was doing Batman v Superman, and that's when they did Civil War, or the same way around. You know, uh, somebody you know, heard that they were doing Civil War and copied Marvel with Batman. You know, whatever the case is, I could care less. But, like, it's just that these two films are, like, I love both of them. I love both of them very deeply. One more than the other, yes. But never in a case where I can say I hate one and love the other. And with that being said, you know, let, 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 let me just say one thing to Good. that. You know what's hilarious about you, Eric, when it comes to the MCU is, is 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 how much you'll say you respect it, you put respect on it, you love it, you love the MCU, but then you'll turn right around and say, but I don't have, if you look at my shelf, I have no MCU movies on there. None of them. I don't. That, I respect that, the MCU so like, much, but on my left leg, I have a tattoo that says "fuck Marvel." Look, is that is that a bad thing that I don't have like any of the MCU movies on my shelf? Just, no, it's, that's not that doesn't mean that I hate them. Because, bro, we can go back. How many episodes of the podcast have we done? About a hundred and sixty something. It's like, like hundred. It's like this is like hundred and sixty four or hundred sixty five. I think it's six. I think it's hundred sixty five now. Yeah, 165. And in 165 episodes, the only MCU film that I say that I genuinely disliked and hated was Thor Ragnarok. And now I don't, it's just I don't me. Like I still don't see why. It's it's just me. It's just my I didn't like the way they did Thor. I didn't like the way they treated it. It's just it just was what it was for me. That's okay, just well, my yeah, personal opinion. But other sense. than that, other than that. I will always, and I keep. I can say this till I'm blue in the face. I've said it about a billion times. I hold no ill will toward the MCU, and I will always give the MCU their respect. I went back and watched Infinity War and Endgame. Love both of them. I I have my favorite MCU films. I have them. You know what I'm saying? But like, when it other than that, I mean, 
just because they're not they're not on my shelf. They're just not for me. I love them, but I don't love them enough to the point where okay, I need I have like what do I have there? I have Captain. I have the first Captain America. I should have Winter Soldier there as the well. Really good. And I should have Infinity War and Endgame. But now through Disney Plus, like that, I pay for monthly. I don't see why there's. I got I got all the MCU films right there on Disney Plus. Eric, I, I was referring to pre Disney. Oh, pre Disney. That you didn't have it. Oh, and you would say. And the only reason I bring it up is because you have said it so many times on this podcast and it's not that you've said it it's the tone in which i've heard you saying it like like you're proud of yourself like yeah i have no room for the mcu on my shelf and then you've told me at times it's because they quote unquote lack substance yeah uh, i stand by that and think which which me personally i feel like civil war had more substance and it's left pinky than the entire DCU. But, but, see, today, what makes this conversation so great, Matt, is it's the battle of our favorite movies from each cinematic universe. His favorite DCU movie is Batman v Superman. My favorite MCU movie, far and away, is Civil War. I loved Infinity War. I loved Endgame. You know, Doctor Strange and Winter Soldier are up there for me, too. But when it comes to Civil War, that movie hit different. I think I saw that movie six times. Yep. Evan? So, I I, I didn't spend all that money. You cut out there a little bit, what'd you say? You cut cut out a little bit. I'm not gonna ask for all that money. Oh, I was saying, saying I worked at theater at the time, so I got free movies. So it's not like I spent a shit ton of money to see a movie six. I'm not that cut out the same part. Um, Well, I just need to stop saying that. Like, and you came back at the same part. What happened? Yeah, how about? Am I yeah. here now? How about we yeah, have a good, good. Old, good. How, about we, how about we have a good old fashioned debate? I know. We're doing. I'm gonna but be the so, mediator. Like like I said, for for me that the MC the, 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 the Civil War film for me, it was the best. I mean, from the 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 reasons that Tony and Cap wanted to fight to you know the fight scenes to you know the, the 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 fight at the end that you really didn't see coming and it was kind of a spur in the moment slap in the face like you know it's a moment where it's like okay cap and tony had their little slug fest at the at the airport but you know they've put it behind them and moved on as friends yeah. but then that scene gets showed of bucky killing tony's parents and then it goes from you know Dude, we were just fucking around at the airport, but now I legit want to kill you. Yeah, like, like that. The 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 tone in that fight had me just so tense because I'm like, oh my god, are they gonna kill one of them off here? Like, I had that thought in my mind. I'm like, is Bucky about to get his head chopped off, or what's what's gonna happen here? Yeah. Um, uh, and then the way that fight ended. With, you know, Cap putting his own shield 
a shield that Tony Stark's father made through his uh, Iron Heart, and then God and that that line Tony delivers, "You don't deserve to hold that uh, that shield. My father made it." And I was like, "Oh my God, they are just going balls to the wall on this one." Yeah. Um, and and so that's why I love it so much. Now, w- the way I want to do this is just kind of compare reasons. Hold on, hold on. Before before so, we continue, before we continue, I just need I just need to tell you a tiny little tidbit of trivia on the end of Civil War. Uh, see, so see, so remember, you remember how Black Panther is sitting right next to 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 the to the to the Hydra dude, and they're just talking, yeah. and uh, yeah. and how he goes to take his life, but Black Panther stops it. That's the same. That's yeah. the same way Black Panther ends. The Black Panther movie is the same way it ends, except for he lets he lets his cousin take his own life. They literally sit there at the edge of a cliff and they talk for a little bit. Yeah, and then he let, that's true. and then he let him go. That and that that was another big time scene yeah. for the MCU. Yeah, like and Black Panther's in my top. five. if I had to make a top five of my favorite MCU movies, you know, n- number one is Civil War, and these other four are in no, are in no specific order: Infinity War, Winter Soldier, Doctor Strange, and Black. Panther. No, I can tell you mine. Mine like. In order, so number one is Far From Home, just because I love Spider Man. Gotta love Spider Man. Like Spider Man's my favorite. Like I love him. I just love Far From Home. Based on Marvel, gotta. Mm-hmm. I love him. Uh, so Spider Man, Spider Man Far From Home, and then it is uh, then it's Civil War, then it's Iron Man Two, Black Panther, and then uh, Endgame. That's a good top five. Nice. I got um, Inksy. I don't have Endgame in my top five because up until like that final fight, I was kind of. Bored. I liked it. I liked showing. I liked it showing wh- how they were coping with everything. Like that, that... Right, Eric, who you got? Um, I got Infinity War. This is no particular order. Infinity War, uh, Iron Man, <clears throat> Iron Man Two, Winter Soldier, and The Incredible Hulk Phase One. So that's my top Ooh. five MCU. Incredible Hulk is good. It is. All right, now, now, Eric, to to keep this conversation going, what I, to kind of kick this off? What I want you to do is is I mean, f- first of all, you know, just state what you really, really liked about BVS and what you thought it did well, and then kind of transition into what do you think that it did better than Civil War. So that you love it so much more than Civil War. Like, what what did it offer you that Civil War either didn't offer you or did, but it just didn't hit the same way? The only thing that Civil War didn't hit for me the same way BVS did, which is because it's the MCU. And that, for me, it was just, it was tone. Because Civil War is a, and that's not a bad thing because it's the MCU and they have a set sort of tone that they go with for each film. Some go a little this way, some that way, and then most are balanced, which is fine. But I think for me, cause I had just read the civil war comic, like when I was in high school and like the amount of tragic it was in that comic and how like, it was just like, Jesus Christ, this is like probably the most saddest story like ever written <laughs> in all of Marvel. 
but like you know it was crazy it it was that it was that it required that kind of tone it was one of those marvel course you know stories that made them so iconic and so in civil war in the movie you know of course you can't do all that that you did in the comics you know what i'm saying but for me it was just the tone the tone you know it it didn't hit quite as as hard for me it hit hard you know, especially during the ending of, of Captain of uh, the ending when Cap and, and Tony are fighting, uh, you know, that hit very hard. That was when it really got, OK, this is the core, 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 you know, tense moment of the issue. But for me, I mean, throughout the whole film, it just it didn't hit the same for me. It just it just didn't. The, the seriousness in which it took, it just wasn't the same for me. So and with Batman v Superman, it was like this is all shit. This is no this is not a game. We can't tell, you know, we, it's it's just not a game here. It's it's all serious. The only difference between um the only difference really between Batman v Superman and Civil War for me personally is just tone. And for me I feel DC uh with Batman v Superman took it a lot more seriously than than Civil War did with that conflict because both stories are dealing with you know, heroes in this world that they've inhabited, the actions that they live out there in their everyday life, and then the effects of that, you know, on people, on the people around them, on the world around them, cities getting destroyed. We talk about Sokovia. We talk about the Battle of New York with Loki. All of those events, you know, uh, Stark, Stark Industries, um, ex, the Stark Expo in Iron Man 2, we talk about all that, you know, and that destruction and the, the impact of that gets addressed you know and i love that they did that they addressed that they consumed it they identified it and then they went about going on about their business batman v superman does the same thing we're talking about five years after the black zero event we're talking about the people who had impacted you know people who lost limbs people who lost lives you know people who are sort of learning to live with the fact that there's someone like superman in the world and so both both properties really did that for me and the only difference is just is tone that's it it's tone but it's it's the mcu so obviously it's gonna they can't go you know word for word you know shot for shot exactly of what would what really went on in the comic book but then again that's not any of the mcu movies the mcu movies are from the comics but they they take all the different inspirations from all well, the different stories and the same well, thing with real Batman quick, I, I hate i hate cutting you off I hate cutting you off, but j- just so I'm hearing you correctly, because I, I kind of want to leave the-, the the comic aspect out of it, because this is just kind of movie on movie. I understand comics are your source material, but I'm just talking about just you know screen adaptation. Oh, then it's um, just tone for me. It was just tone. That's it. So it, it, is it? Are, are you making the case that the the Civil War? had a lighter tone than Batman v Superman? Well, it wouldn't be me making the case. It's more so of my view and opinion on the film. Yeah, I would I would say that for sure. I would think that, you know, and, and that's and that's so that's you know, the MCU is known for that. Having the jokes and all that, that's fine. You know what I'm saying? And then but then it gets <laughs> you know, you're popping jokes during the whole airport battle. Fine. That's cool. But then it they, they know when to tone it down. You know, and then it gets serious once Rhodes, you know, breaks his spine and falls. That 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 got deadly real quick. And then all of a sudden, okay, 
now it's back to no games. That's what I like. That's what I like about Civil War. That's what I think Civil War did very well. It's either you're going to stick with the same tone the whole time or you're going to dip into different, you know, you're going to get a little lighter here and then we're going to tone it down right here and then we're going to bring it up again. You know, so it's like it just depends on how you want to play it. But, yeah. Well, point well taken. Now, real quick, here's my case for Civil War over... Batman v Superman. Uh, th- these are just things that I mean, I've already explained why I love the film so much. But, and, and I'll see if Matt agrees with me on this or if, or maybe. The, the number one thing that impressed me the most with Civil War was the, how feasible and reasonable Cap and Tony's stances were. Like, yes, they were both stubborn, but both of them had incredibly well-grounded and very strong points as to why they felt how they felt in terms of Tony's view on the Accords as opposed to Cap's. Now, you've got Captain America, his whole thing, he's dealt with Hydra, he's had government corruption, everything. Cap is thinking the last person, the the last people on this planet that I will answer to is the government. You know, it will be a cold day in hell before the government tells the Avengers how we do our job. And that's, you know, that's 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 real. That's real. And he has very good reason to believe that. But then you got Cap and he's kind of the the sourpuss because he's over here like, no, dude, I'm telling you. We got to be put in check. And, I mean, this dude did just make Ultron, which could have been the destruction of the whole world. Yeah. Ultron killed, Ultron killed a lot of people. Yeah. So you got, to, you got Tony walking around like, that. Like I don't trust myself. That PTSD from Iron Man 3 and all the Avengers, that yeah. shit stretches. Yeah. It stretches. Yeah, yeah he, he's over there like, I don't trust myself anymore. I cannot be allowed to let my mind roam free because I've seen what can happen. This can't happen again. So for that, they put both of them in incredible, like that was brilliant with what they did. I thought it was perfect. Now, contrasting that with Batman v Superman. On the Batman aspect of it, that is very feasible with why Batman felt like he fell. Batman is is known to be stubborn, very stubborn. He's probably the most stubborn character in all of DC. He is. Uh, and, and, you know, you know me, Eric. I'm the biggest Batman fan I know. Uh, but he is stubborn. Yeah, that's you true. Know, all the Robins deal with it, he's stubborn. And, you know, when he sees this alien blowing up buildings, you know, in this fight... Uh, you know, he's watching it and super and, and you know, Bruce is down there like, you son of a bitch, you brought this to us. This is your fault. All right. That's legit. I felt like with Superman, the reason didn't, it did not really hit as hard. I thought that Bruce Wayne's obsession with Superman made sense. Clark's with Batman, not so much. Like, you know, Bat Vigilante thinks he's above the law. 
I'm like, okay, I guess, sure. And then the and then the whole thing with Superman's mom being kidnapped. Look, you know, you you talked about comics with, and I'm going to be kind of a hypocrite here, uh, but you know, you mentioned comics of Civil War. When it came to Lex's uh, uh, leverage that he had on Superman as he had his mom kidnapped, mm-hmm. I- I'm thinking, this is Superman we're talking about. This is a guy who can fly at supersonic speeds to the point where he can literally turn back time. Okay, he no, also, that was retcon. We don't talk about that. He also has in his, abil- his possession X. Uh, x-ray vision and so you can fly that fast you have x-ray vision i'm pretty sure superman could figure out in about i think he had like what an hour before the before his mom was gonna get killed or however long it was about a good 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 45 minutes (laughs) almost he can like he can hear heartbeats like he can he can identify certain people's heartbeats because exactly. even in the now, even in the comics, he knows where Bruce Wayne is at all times just because of his heartbeat. Exactly. So that whole scene right there, I'm kind of like, oh, come on. I, now I understand Zack Snyder was going for less powerful, less overpowered, more grounded Superman. I get that, and that's why he didn't do that. But for me, I'm just sitting there thinking he clearly can do that. Right. Like, unless, like, unless you put this lady... In a room made of kryptonite, th- this is this isn't going to work. Right. Well, like, so, go ahead, like go ahead. so for me, that was kind of like me. But real quick, my my biggest problem with the confrontation, and I'll compare the two when it comes to because this ties into my point about what they believe. When Tony met Cap at the airport, which of course led to the first fight. You could tell, all right, Tony didn't show up for a fight. He showed up to talk to Steve, but he had the the crew ready in case a fight was going to break out. Yeah. Because they're still best friends. Yeah. Like, we we had seen these guys fight Loki together. They fought Ultron together. These were brothers. They lived and, you know, they fought. They put their uh, lives in each other's hands. You know, you had that chemistry. Yeah. And... The film did a great job of, you know, Tony begging Cap, like, bro, let's not do this. Like, I don't want to fight you. You don't want to fight me. Come with me. We'll work this out. But Cap's over there like, no, I'm not here to work this out. I'm here to help my friend. Yeah. I'm not going back with you. And I'm thinking, damn, they're both in the right here. Like, I understand why they're thinking this way because in Tony's mind – He's like, dude, just come back with me to this place. I'm your best friend. Do you really think I'm going to let them lock up my best friend? Yeah. That's not going to happen, bro. Let me help you. And then, you know, Cap's over there like, bro, I don't trust the government. Yeah. I don't trust them. I'm going to help my friend. Yeah. That was like, okay, yeah, there's no, like, we, we are past the point of rationale. All that's out the window. We're past that. Like, it, it's fight time. They're not listening. Yeah. With But with Batman v Superman, I always wondered, Superman, why didn't you open up with, hey, Batman, Lex has my mom? But he didn't. He opened up with, 
a very long and drawn out Bruce. Please. We don't have to fight. You have to listen to me. I was wrong. And I'm like, at this point, I'm like, bro, in this time, you could have easily said, hey, Batman, Lex has my mom, and unless I kill you, he's going to kill my mom, so please help me. Well, and, and I, those are respected. I respect I respect those thoughts totally. Um, to your point about Superman being able to find his mom anywhere, yeah. And then, and then Matt brought up, you know, that being retconned from Superman 4, because that's true, that was retconned. Um, it was the fact that, it wasn't the fact that Superman is this, you know, less powerful human being, uh, you know, Kryptonian who is grounded. It's more so the fact that he's an all-powerful being, but he's grounded and he can't just operate in the world the way that he wants to. That's that's what's going on throughout the whole movie. They're grilling his hind tail about Metropolis and everything that's happened, all these missions he's undertaking and saving people without government, you know, without government uh, approval and all of that. We're not going to, as the senator said, we're not going to tolerate shadow interventions. You know, we're not going to tolerate any of that because you have, you live here now. You're on earth. You have to abide by a certain set of rules. And so I think that when the the Lex leverage that he had on his mom, you know, yeah, that could have been easily done. I could see that. But at the same time, I think that, number one, it was a matter of time limit. You know what I'm saying? And since that got retconned with Superman, with what movie was that? Superman 4? Where he did? I think that was the first Superman where he said where he just went around the world. spun the world so fast that, you know what I'm saying? That's not... Being the fact that they wanted, it was the first one. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah I think it was the first one. Well, being the fact that they that of course we know Henry Cavill Superman is more grounded. That's just the map. That's just what it is. He's more grounded. All of that stuff we normally see Superman do, he just doesn't do. So I I can't really defend that. So, but other than that, I think that you know Lex has Superman on a string. You know, like mentally, like I didn't put you through it. I didn't set you up. You know what I'm saying? You can't make a move without looking like destroying everything. You know, you're it's Clark's up against the wall. It's put him up against his morals. It's got him, you know, doubting himself. He's not a sure and confident Superman of himself. You know what I'm saying? And so at this point, you know what I'm saying? What else are you going to do? You have to play along. And when he does that, you know, it's it he it it <laughs> funny funny thing it just this image that people have of superman that he has to be this notion and well in in the comics more so he's been more explored he's been a lot more you know put up against it but this older notion of a superman back then where he had to be this golden boy this this goody two shoes this superman who always you know has this optimism about him and never can be phased by anything was just one that doesn't fit for the 21st century. It just doesn't, doesn't work like that. And so for his, uh, for, so he's, he's finding out that as he goes along in man of steel and BVS, no matter what I do, whether it's good or bad, even if I'm saving people, they still going to crucify me anyway. Like, 
why like you know what i'm saying so the goody two shoes routine doesn't work the i'm just trying to be a good dude doesn't work it's this always going to be some kind of controversy surrounding especially someone of superman's uh stature and who he is so and i so so with that point you know that's why he looks at batman like dude what are you doing you this ain't this ain't how people like us supposed to behave you know what i'm saying like you can't do that and so it's the ultimate jerk move while batman's trying to catch the kryptonite that superman stops him in his tracks and is like you know the bat is dead you need to bury that you know like boy if you don't go sit your yo sweet ass down somewhere bro like and like what you gonna do if i don't <laughs> you know what i'm saying that's that's the sort of attitude batman has because he's you know that's Batman's hard headed, you know. So, but yeah, that 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 for me is why Superman was the way he was in that. And where where's with Captain America? I love the way Captain America is too when he's because normally people would think he's Captain America. He's he's uh, he's all for government, all for country. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Captain America is for country, but he's not for you know, being told what to do under the government. He all he's all for respecting those in power, but when it comes down to doing what's right against the government, that's when it all, you know, that's when it all goes away for him. And so Caps is like, you know, I'm gonna do what I think is right, do what's right regardless. And so I think those two comparisons between Superman and Cap make them identical when we watch the films. They're, you know, two guys who have to learn the lesson that when everyone in the world is against you, you know, you have to do what you got to do anyway. Batman, on the other hand, and and to your point about Cap, and I'll pass it back to you in a minute, um, to your point about Tony, you know, Tony's PTSD ranging back from when I was in middle school watching the Avengers and watching him go through that wormhole, then it carries over into Iron Man 3, and from Iron Man 3, out of that paranoia is born the idea of Ultron and Age of Ultron. And then from there, you know, now he's like, okay, we can't, we can't act like this anymore. I can't, I can't do what I want to do as a hero because it's always going to cost something. It's always going to be, it's always going to come out to something bad and it's just, it's not good. And so I agree. I like Tony's point of view on that. And same thing with Batman you know, you see the way he looks at his suit when he finds out he has to go to Lex's house as a normal as Bruce Wayne. You know what I'm saying? He looks at the suit and he's like, you're powerless without that suit. Like you can't stand it when you're not in that suit. And so but when he's in it, he has total control, except for at this point, he's 20 years in and he's starting to do things that are very questionable, even by Alfred's standards. He's like, bro, you changed. You know, this is you know, this is what we do now. And he's like, bro, this is always what it's been. It just took you a while to catch up. You know what I'm saying? And so Batman is sort of like on the opposite end where of Tony, whereas Tony's like, I caused damage. I need to back up. Batman is like, you know, yeah, I may cause damage, but at least at the end of the day, I'm getting what I want, which is for criminals to be off the streets and gone. You know what I'm saying? But with Superman, he's got a bigger issue. Now he's got to deal with this person who he feels is way more powerful and he fears you know that what what happened to his parents he'll be powerless to stop it not if he can help it because he's batman you know i'm batman i can i can you know and and that's what i love about ben affleck's batman is that 
the fact that he does have this austerity and rage about him where he feels like in that suit he can do whatever the heck he wants and no one can stop him. But once he finds out there's Superman, he just loses it and he starts panicking because he knows that there's someone out there who you know can can stop him but he's like i'm i'm batman and i'm gonna do what i gotta do regardless because it's about the future of the world and so where it's sort of that that shift where tony once he did create ultron because he's that smart and he can do what he wanted to do out of that paranoia he goes forth with it and then backs up bruce is like yeah i i have that paranoia out of the trauma that's happened to me but i'm gonna keep doing it and I'm just going to keep going. And so I think that I think that the contrast between those two was was done very well. And I and I can't really say much other than that concerning concerning that. All right. All right well, uh, I'm going to cut in real quick and just say uh, <clears throat> I got a dip. I got something to do in the morning, <laughs> bro. Yeah. Oh, my God, <laughs> bro. Thought you were about to say something like, "Bro, okay. uh, uh, I got to do this. This, this, this is going to be a, a short podcast for me, I guess." I got you, bro. It's all. I don't right. leave you guys hanging like that. Well, no, you good. You good. Yeah, it's all good. Just send me the link whenever you're done. That way, I can. Uh, that way, I can hear the whole conversation. Uh, I'll see you guys later. All right, man. Take it easy. Peace. But yeah, Evan, that's 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 all I can add to that. But I think um, both both films definitely inspired are since we're taking the comic aspect out of it, they are they still do take inspiration from the comics and spin it off in their own different way. But you know, I it's just it's it's just it's crazy how you can find the, the same similarities and then different contrasts between heroes on two different ends of the spectrum oh yeah and and you know i mean you know me i i actually thoroughly enjoy uh, uh batman v superman but it was just man civil war i i love movies that can make me feel all kinds of emotions yeah and civil war did just that i laughed at times um and then that final fight, you know, I, I thought, that, you know, I, I kind of resent the notion because I, I hear this a lot from MCU haters mm-hmm. and I'm not talking to you. Um, there's people I've heard say stuff like, you know, the MCU's for kids and the DCU is for adults. And I'm like, man, Shazam is in the DCU. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Get the fuck out. I wish it wasn't, but it is. (laughs) It is. You know, I. You know, because Shazam is is probably more goofy than Ant Man. You know, and 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 that's saying a lot. Like I, like I, I can't give you the. I mean, Thor Ragnarok, nothing. Yeah. Compares to the the silliness of Shazam. Yeah. Uh. But I mean, I I don't know what the MCU can do. To kind of break that stereotype because, you know, you had Winter Soldier, Infinity War, yeah. uh, Civil War. You know, you had all these movies yeah. that, in my opinion, in terms of tone, are almost like The Dark Knight in terms of this is a serious film. 
Yeah. Because I, you know, even in the Dark Knight, it was an extremely serious film. Yeah. But I, I feel like we forget all the one-liners in that movie. We, we I don't do. know if D, I don't know if DC fans forget that Bruce Wayne was a smart ass the whole movie. He was. Joker had a bunch of lines. Uh, you know, there was a lot of funny parts of that movie. You know, yeah. you think you can steal from us and just walk away? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that line, perfection. Now, granted, you know, once Two-Face was born, you know, all of the, 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 got the, real. the comedy kind of went out the window. It got too real. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's one of the reasons that movie gets so much praise. It's like, yeah, obviously Heath Ledger, amazing. We don't even have to speak about that. That there's nothing at this point that I can say about that performance that has not been said a million times. Yeah, like that's like for me, he's the undisputed goat of villain performances. Yeah, uh, knocked it out of the park. But people don't talk about Aaron Eckhart enough. They really don't. Like I feel bad for him. Because, like, that film, had he been in any other Batman film, he would have been a phenomenal villain and could have held his own. Yeah. But because he was in uh, uh, The Dark Knight with Heath Ledger, he got upstaged. Yeah. I'm trying to think of an example I can use here of, of, of something. Well, uh I wouldn't even say upstaged, really. I mean, obviously, Heath Ledger deserves all the praise he gets. But, like, when it comes down to Aaron Eckhart as Two-Face, his Two-Face is a product of everything that Joker is foreshadowing. All this talk that Joker's doing the whole movie about, you know, wait till you see what happens when people reach the bottom, and then you'll see how they change. You know, this talk of, you know, you know, uh, you know, you think that you can just be this person with a moral code and think that you're not going to break that. You know what I'm saying? Two-Face is born out of that, that hospital conversation. He's just, he's born out of that. He's like, you see what happens when, you know, you, you know, you have this, you know, oh, I'm, I'm this sort of morally high person. You see what happens when stuff really hits the fan. Now look at who you really are, you know, and, and he's a product of, he's a product of Joker. And I, I found it awesome. I can I can still watch The Dark Knight to this day and still be just as excited to see Heath Ledger's Joker on the screen. But then I know I'm giddying in my pants because I can't wait till Two-Face like comes on. And I'm just like, yes. I mean, how did I mean, and this is just the brilliant. I mean, this has totally gone off the rails. And now I'm going to fanboy about Chris Nolan. Uh I don't. I just don't understand how that man was able to give us not one but two amazing monologues in that movie. One of them coming from you know you had the Joker's "Why so serious" speech that 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 still ch- send chills up your spine. Yeah. No matter how many abuse. I mean, good God, that scene, just that story, the way he tells it. I'm like, holy shit. Like, this is some, oh. It's great, eh? It's great, eh? And then at the end, you have Harvey Dent's speech about you thought we could be decent men in an indecent time. In an indecent time, yeah. And and, and this is the same guy who, at the beginning of the film, is talking about, you know, how they're still good in the world, and he's 
this shining example yeah. of what it means to be a good person. And Joker saw that and he's like, yep, I'm taking him down. Yeah. And I'm going to show the world who he, who I can make him to be if pushed far enough. Yeah. And like, they just nailed that was like, it's the godfather of, of DC movies for me. Like it is, it is just perfection. That's respectable. That's total. That's totally. That's that's a good. That's a good view. And and I say that, and and it goes past Heath Ledger. I mean, they gave me the only version of Jim Gordon I ever found interesting. Like they really dug in deep on him. Yeah. Uh, I thought that uh, Gary Oldman was phenomenal. Michael Caine, phen- uh, phenomenal. Alfred. Christian Bale, I haven't even got to him yet. You know, amazing Batman. Yeah. Um, although I will say though, I did like Ben Affleck's Batman more. Yeah. And that, I, after all, after all that I just said, I like Ben Affleck's Batman more. Yeah. And that that's like, that's totally understandable why. That warehouse scene, dude. Yeah. That damn warehouse. That was like the ultimate. Oh shit! It's Batman scene. Yeah, and it's it's still like it's still like people just thought that after he came to his senses about to kill Superman, they thought that okay, after that, you know, he's still he's gonna like stop killing people out of the blue. Nah, he's still not perfect. Batman is still not your 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 uh your set high on a pedestal, no kill code, moral having guy yet. He's still got a long way to go and then proceeds to kick. Oh my God. Ungodly amounts of, of See, butt that, in the warehouse. That, that, that was the one thing I didn't like was, was the, 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 the killing Batman. Yeah. And, I, and, 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 and I'm not about to open up this. To, th- this is going to be, I don't think we've ever had a full, correct me if I'm wrong. And I think Matt would definitely be able to give some insight into this. Yeah. Uh, I, I have we ever had a pod just about does Batman's no kill code make sense? Um, we've had discussions off air, but never on the podcast. We we gonna we'll have we, we'll have to make that a pod. Well, we've got to because I mean maybe it's and and you acknowledge one time you acknowledged it because we were we were having an off air conversation and I said Eric, yeah, could it be that your hatred? of Batman's no kill code comes from your love of the Punisher. And until this day, till this day, I think my answer may, I don't know what I said at the time. Well, yeah. You said it, oh, you, you said it did. And you said it's feasible. Cause you know, you've got a favorite character yeah. who is so not like he, he doesn't just kill like the Punisher is synonymous with death. Yeah. Like the Punisher, he is synonymous with, not only do I kill, I love doing it, and I do it in very brutal ways, and I'm proud yeah. of it. Yeah, it was, it was more so, and I said it was feasible because growing up, I had this notion of Batman. Surprisingly, surprisingly, whereas a lot of kids grow up loving Batman, and they're like, "Oh my God, he's my," you know, he's just so freaking awesome and cool. For me 
growing up, it was totally different. I was like, I was a bit skeptical of Batman. I would, I would dare say I take the point of view of some of his most famous pupils. We talk about Nightwing. We talk about, uh, uh, Red Hood. You know what I'm saying? We talk about those guys where constantly in the comics, they have this disdain of him because he, number one, he's on this morally high righteous, you know, attitude because he's mastered the fact that, you know, he doesn't have to kill Joker. He's overcome that and he sees that as a moral victory. And so this notion first in mo in some people's, not everyone, but in some people's minds that Batman could never make a mistake, that Batman could just like do no wrong or that he doesn't fall prey or isn't susceptible to being weak or falling to a lower level sometimes was absolutely ludicrous to me because at the end of the day he's a man albeit he's the most physically fit and mentally sharp man in the world he still is a man at the end of the day and so my whole celebration for ben affleck being the way he was was that i'm like i kept telling people like this is just the phase batman's been a batman for 20 years he didn't start out killing and he's not gonna go out killing you know what i'm saying it's just that 20 years in he's gotten a little jaded he's gotten a little messed up and he had to have that come to, you know, come to himself moment, you know, which, you know, which I cert I told people, I'm like, that's going to be justified in Zach's JL. He's going to stop killing and he's going to, you know, do better because of Batman, Superman's sacrifice. So I'm like, I just wanted people to stop freaking out because, yeah, Punisher is my favorite hero. I'd rather cut out the middleman and get straight to justice, right, wrong, die or live, whichever one. But, you know, um not the case with batman obviously but you know that's all i just wanted people to understand it's not permanent you're not going to see batman the reason, all the time. i think the reason people love batman and, and just real quick to end the pod this is yeah why i hated seeing a killing batman you know to, to, when it comes to batman it's not so much that that, that you know that he's self-righteous it's more of a paranoia thing it's the fact that Batman's greatest fear in life is, you know, he truly believes that the one, the only thing, because he operates outside the law and vigilanteism is a crime. Yeah. He believes that the only thing that separates him from a Joker or the villains that he so, you know, tries to get off the streets is the fact that he doesn't kill because he doesn't believe that it's his role to take to, to be judge jury and executioner yeah he he views himself as just the judge he yeah. lets you know and and in, in a perfect world it would be batman gets him you got the the gcpd is your jury and then the justice system will be the executioner but yeah. we all know in gotham the justice system is a joke and so yeah. i understand that there's a lot of people out there who have this notion of you know, why does Batman just keep doing this? He knows the yeah. Gotham justice system's a joke. He knows Joker's going to get out. But yeah. I always say, you know, it's like, well, he, you know, if he changes, there is no coming back. Yeah. And for, and for Snyder to do what he's doing, my issue with it is, is when you talk about Batman, people don't realize that Batman is literally one second away from going crazy. Indeed. Like he, he is like he is on the edge and people don't seem to realize that taking a life is not as easy as they make it look on TV. Nope. 
and the impact of dealing with that. Like that is an emotional thing. He's not ready to deal with. Like he cannot deal with that. So yeah. if Batman were to kill, I mean, good God. And and I always point this out. I'm, I always point out, you know, the injustice comics because Superman doesn't kill either. Yeah. We we saw, like Superman. You know, everybody's just bashing Batman, and everybody's like, "Oh man, if Batman would have killed Joker, yeah. Superman would have never done that." Or you know, Joker Superman never happened. But I'm thinking, but doesn't you seeing Superman kill Joker? show you why Batman never did? Does that not prove that point? That's a good that's he, that's a good argument to, to have right there. Because I mean think about it. Like Superman did what everybody's been hounding Batman to do for 30 years for forever. I mean did, did Superman just say, okay, I killed Joker, I'm happy, yada yada no. Because killing Joker doesn't bring back the people that he killed. Joker has taken so many people from Batman, but he's not going to kill Joker because he yeah. could risk becoming like Clark. You see, Clark couldn't get over the obsession that he failed. And I'm yeah. willing to bet Batman would feel a similar way if he killed Joker. Like, I failed. I can't deal with this. How, what? like, I'm, what do I do? You know? Yeah. Well, there was this. There was a uh, alternative thought scene that Batman did have, if I'm not mistaken, in Injustice, where he thought about what if he did kill Joker. But this was after Joker almost killed Lois, but luck, luckily she lived. And then afterwards, you know, they're riding in the car to the police department, and Batman snaps his neck. Batman goes to jail, of course. Superman breaks through and hugs him and thanks him for doing what he did. And then, you know, their child goes on to solve, to grow up to be just like Superman. She becomes a hero of her own, uh, saves the world and, you know, uh, starts tackling, you know, the climate change crisis and all this other stuff. That alternative thought. Um, it's, it's just that I don't know. It's, 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 it's a crazy thing to think about. Because take then again, you know, taking life is not as easy as they make it seem on TV. It's definitely not a joke at all. You know, it it comes with its with its price. And even in the Dark Knight Returns, which is my favorite iteration of Batman, even when he's fighting Joker, he's like he Batman, even in his old age, he's like, you know, all the people I've murdered just by letting you live. You know what I'm saying? And Joker's like, yeah, and I and I love you for it. <laughs> and, you know, totally Joker thing to say. But I mean, it's it'll to me it'll always be one of those conversations because it in the Batman number one, the very first issue, Batman's killing in his first few issues he was killing, and then they just sort of changed it because they didn't want him to become like this pop cult. And I'll do more research on it, of course, but they didn't want him to become this sort of like this um i don't know how to say it kind of character just the sort of you know um i don't know what the word is but they didn't want him to become that kind of character and so then of course there was the comics code authority that came along after time and they were like we don't want heroes looking like this heroes have to be you know better than that and then henceforth the no kill code and that's just something that's been ran with ever since but um and and as I stated before, I don't in closing, I don't think 
I don't I don't think that Batman is a character who should kill. You know what I'm saying? It's just that there in stories there's so much that's frustrating when I read the comics because I'm like I understand he has this fear of not wanting to become like Joker or being one bad day away from being a bad person. But sometimes I just can't help but to think I'm like, man, there's so much that just could have been avoided had he been willing to sacrifice. It it would, to me, in my eyes, it wouldn't have changed if Batman would have, you know what I'm saying, if he would have done what he had to do in order to, you know, that's not saying go kill every single criminal. No. Or kill everyone in your well, rose gallery. You know, my response to that is always, you know, you, you look at the Punisher. You know, he, he always shoots first, asks questions later. Sure. He's lost a lot of people he cares about. He has failed a lot of people. His villains have killed a lot of people. That's true. And so I, 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 I reject this notion that there is this, and I feel like the scenario is that people want to see is Batman kills Joker and everybody lives happily ever after in Gotham. That's definitely not going to happen. (laughs) And and, and I'm thinking, if you have ever picked up a Batman comic, you will realize happily ever after doesn't exist in Gotham. No, there'll just be another person to come along. Exactly. Like, there's always another psycho like Joker is an idea and I'm not going to get in this tonight cuz I am tired and I'm ready to hang this podcast up but this is going to be this is going to be one fire conversation for another podcast that's true I feel you but yeah man this was a definitely good one bro this is a good one this I think this might be the what last one of the new year of the uh 2020 and then we'll Maybe. we'll we'll pick it up pick it up in 2021 been a wild time but yeah, man, thanks. Oh, yeah. Thanks for being on, well, bro. I appreciate you, bro, as always. Thank you for having me. All right, man. All good. Take it easy, bro. This is Shea House Podcast Radio. Peace. Thank you for joining. This has been another edition of Shea House Radio. Yo, yo, what's up? What's up, my brother? Chilling, man. Chilling, bro. Ain't nothing much. First freaking podcast of the new year. Super excited. Hyped. So much going on uh, in 2021, especially movie-wise, sports-wise. Just like, bro. Blessed blessed to see the new year. How'd you, how'd you bring in your new year, bro? Say what now? Every time I, we start first minute. <laughs> I said, how'd you start? How'd you bring in your new years, bro? Oh man, I brought in the New Year's uh, with the girl, and you know that was awesome. Here, 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 here. Oh yeah, man. Uh, and I got to watch it, uh, watching my Alabama Crimson Tide once again put the most overrated program in the history of college football, with maybe the possible exception of Michigan in their place. <laughs> Dang, for the second time, probably for the second time. I mean, bro, did you see that post that was showing like the last seven New Year's Six bowls or BC, like like the last seven big bowl games Notre Dame has been in? They've gotten their ass kicked in every single one. Yeah, I've I've seen it. Yeah, this is sad. 
but I, I mean, I share no sympathy for Notre Dame because I'm, I'm an Auburn fan, so I, I, I got no quarrel or beef or whatever with Notre Dame. They knew what was coming. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have a beef with them, man. I just think it's BS because I mean, you know, they're, they're not in a conference, so they play crappy teams every year, which is why they get these 10, 11 win seasons. And then they go to bowl games with real teams and get their ass whooped. It happens every yeah. year. You know, Clemson, Clemson pounded that ass, and then they just passed us off to, passed them off yeah. to Bama. It was like, whoop, here we yeah. go. Clemson and Bama ran a train on Notre Dame. Just whoop, here you they go. They did. I, I think that was pretty much embodied when uh, when that post came out where they were announcing the New Year Six, and then the top four bowl games, I believe. And then the Notre Dame fan, the woman she had saw y'all, they were facing y'all again. And she's like, oh, my God, here we go again. So she knew they they knew what was coming. They it's a whole different, whole different. breed. They knew what was coming. I mean, the 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 own I'll say this, man, watching that game, I feel like Saban was holding back because, I mean, we just weren't as aggressive in the second half as we could have been. I mean, I, I I was expecting to see some bloodshed, but it didn't. We didn't get the bloodshed I wanted. But I mean, um, oh, and real, and real quick before we continue, I just want to say real quick publicly, um, Steve Sarkeesian, thank you so much for everything you did for the University of Alabama. I got nothing but love for you, and I hope that you're really successful at Texas. And if you're not, well, you know the door is always open for you to come back home. <laughs> That's big. That that's a big that that's big. Always going to be a head coaching job in the NFL. I mean, in the uh, in college football for uh, descendants of Nick Saban or anyone who's worked on Saban's staff. Always. It's insane. The, it's insane the way he does yeah. that, man. Like, and I think Lane Kiffin is the prime example. That's a guy who was kicked off a bus at USC. They wouldn't even let him come back to the school. They said, nah, fam, get your ass off this bus. You're done being the coach. Get yeah. the fuck off. And then nobody would touch Lane Kiffin with a 20-foot pole. They're like, no, Lane Kiffin's yeah. awful. You know, he has he has sex with college girls. You can't have them on your – and then Saban said, no, I think I could do something with him. And all Saban did, of course, was win a national championship with yeah. him. <laughs> but And then got him a job at FAU. And now he's the head coach at Ole Miss, and they just won their first bowl game in God knows yeah. how long. Against and in, I, did weren't they the ones that beat Indiana? If I'm not mistaken, yeah. yeah. And, and that's the team in the Big Ten that everybody was trying to hype up as really, really good. I'm like, man, fuck out of yeah. here. But uh, but yeah, shouts out to Steve Steve Sharkeesian. Shout out to uh to Alabama. Respect from a from an Auburn fan. But um, but there's so much, so much, about. and and I I want to start here with, of course, we're going to move into the main bowl games because I got some, ooh, Jesus Christ, some some things to say. Um, we'll start we'll, <laughs> we'll start with Northwestern at number fourteen versus my Auburn Tigers, and the one thing that you know we we may have our own preferences with film, we can have our own preferences with movies and. TV shows and comics and all these kinds of things. But football is something that you can absolutely not be biased in. If your team sucks, 
You have to own that if you're not a bandwagon fan. You have to admit when your te- when your team is is not in the running. You have to admit when your team is is you know not where they're supposed to be at. And you have and if you root for them, if you're loyal to them, you have to hope for better. You know what I'm saying? And that's where I'm at. And it's the same thing, vice versa, for if your team is winning all the time. And you know what I'm saying? Same thing. You know, and you know, basically you ride with your team, whether they're on top winning national championships or whether they're not and losing. And so for me, you know, seeing Auburn like this, it, you know, and, and of course I'm excited about coach Harson. I'm excited about what he's bringing from Boise state to Auburn. Of course, I love his attitude. I love all that. I'm excited for, for the new era to begin for the Harson era to begin. But you know, these bowl games, man, Jesus Christ. We we couldn't even pull it out against Northwestern. We let Northwestern spank us. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, what is this? Like, defense, where? You know, unac- uh, inaccuracy from, from Bo Nix, of course. You know what I'm It's just a total crap show, like. And so hopefully and – it, and it's not it's not like to say, oh, my God, you know, I'm so sick. You know, it's just that, you know, this – hopefully this is the last time we play in some irrelevant bowl game – you know what I'm saying? That absolutely means nothing to us besides just, you know, nothing. So hopefully, you know, this is the last time we have some of that. So, you well, know. Now I'm going to say this, and this is going to sound arrogant, but let me explain. And because this is not a knock on Auburn, just hear me out. I knew Auburn was going to lose this game. I knew they were. When they, I had a feel. When, when, when they fired Gus Malcolm. I, I, yeah, and I'm gonna be honest about something. Um, I, I talked a lot of shit on this show about Gus. Um, but I'm I am shocked that Auburn actually pulled the trigger. I am shocked. And I'm gonna tell, and I'm gonna tell you why. Um, why? Why? Very weird season. Like th- this is the year of COVID. A lot of crazy things happened. Um, the man lost to Georgia, Bama. No. Oh, A and M, and South Carolina. First three that I just mentioned. I don't think game in losing to Bama, losing to Georgia, losing to A&M. Those are three. Dan- now, I think the South Carolina loss, I think that's the one that got him. I that's think the one. That's the at, one. At that, that, that was awful. But honestly, though, I thought this season was not Malzahn's fault. I think that it was all on the face of Ch- on the head of Chad Morris. Because I was watching that Auburn offense this year. I didn't recognize it. Yeah, I, w- I was watching it, and it was predictable. And that's one thing about the Auburn offense I've never been able to say. Auburn's offense is never predictable. It's all full of fake handoffs, RPOs, you know, huddles. Motion. Like, like quick, down the field, get it going, hurry, hurry, hurry. Yeah. Near of that 2013 season, everybody took note and said, we want some of that. It was iconic, bro. It was. 
you know, I understand Auburn, you know, I guess now and everybody's saying, you know, we want to be a championship. Thinking, okay, that's great. Along with that, but this coach took you to one. This coach has been to the SEC championship twice. He won. And it's not his fault that he plays Nick Saban, which three times. It seems every time we play in Jordan Hare, with the exception of 2015, and that was only because that year it was such a mismatch. Like on that particular year, Alabama was the number one team in the nation, and I think Auburn had lost five games. So, I mean, yeah. that, that year Auburn was kind of defeated going into it because it's like, you know, Derrick Henry, what do you – nothing. Uh, yeah. But even then, that game was close. Like, I was expecting 42 to 10, but I got, like, 25 to 13, like something way closer. But my point is, you know, I would get it if the man had losing seasons. But do people all beating their chest about fire Gus Malzahn realize this man never had Next season. Hold on, you cut yep. out. You there? I, yeah, I'm here. Yo. Yo. You there? I'm sorry, yeah. go ahead. Continue. I, I was saying, you... do all the Auburn fans pounding their chest about fire mouths on realize the man never had a losing season? Like when Gene Chizik got fired two years removed from a national title, I got it because he went three and nine. That's, I get that. Yeah, you know you can't you can't go three and nine, and you know yeah. it was just getting, like, there was no sign of it getting better. And yeah. then you know you go you you go to Bryant Denny and you get beat forty nine nothing to Alabama. That's unacceptable. Yeah, you don't. It's and, and so uh. they fired this guy, and I'm thinking, like who who are you gonna bring in? And all the and this is where Auburn fans have got on my nerves about this. I kept were Hugh Freeze and Steve Sarkeesian. Those were the two guys who I kept hearing all the Auburn fans want. Neither yeah. of those, neither of those guys even wanted the interview. And then when Brian Harsons got hired, now they're saying, Oh, well, we wanted Harsons all along. Get, get the fuck out of here. Over half of y'all didn't even know who this motherfucker was. Didn't I didn't I did not know who he was. The Auburn fans need to get the fuck up out of here with. We wanted like no, it wasn't. Y'all wanted you know people they they wanted Sark, they wanted Hugh. You didn't get them, but that's okay because I do believe Brian's a good coach. He's got a good record at Boise State. Although I will say, I will say, there's a big difference between coaching at Boise State in the Mountain West. And now you're coming to it because this is something I don't think people understand. I think the Auburn head coaching job might be one of, if not the most difficult head coaching jobs in all of college football. It may be number one. And here's why. Every year, come hell or high water, you got to play Texas A&M. You got to play Georgia. You got to play LSU. And yeah. obviously, 
you got to play Nick Saban. And, you know, here, it's very likely, and this is no slight to Auburn, it's very likely that those could be four losses. Not because yeah. not because Auburn's bad, but because, you know, A&M's a really good team, and LSU, Georgia, and Bama are in the top five recruiting class every year. So it's like yeah. my whole take on this is I think Auburn may have made a mistake. You think so? And I'm saying this as a Bama fan that was scared to play Auburn this year. I'll admit it now that Gus is gone. I'll admit it now. I wouldn't say it when he was there. I hated playing Auburn at Jordan-Hare when that dorky-looking Malzahn was there because every time we played there, some crazy shit would happen and we'd lose. And it pissed me off to no end. To this day, I got motherfuckers blowing up my inbox about the kick six. We got to get over that. I mean, I'm, I mean, and and I and I know that's difficult for some Auburn fans to hear, but like, and I understand your position as well. You know, yeah, it was very unpredictable when playing us. You know, in especially in Jordan Hare Stadium. But the thing is, is that the kick six was in 2013. You feel what I'm saying? Like the miracle at Jordan Hare was in. I mean, 2013. The miracle in Jordan Hare, all that 2013. You know what I'm saying? Iron Bowl win. You know, all that, okay. But the SEC is the toughest division division of football in all of college football, especially when it comes down to the West, where we at. Yeah, eat shit Big Ten. Yeah. So, like, and, and the thing about it is that you can only brag so much about the kick six and the miracle at Jordan here. I mean, oh my gosh, till the, I mean, yeah, it's always, like I said, it's iconic. It's going to, those, those two games and that whole season, you know, of course we got the 2010 national title. That's awesome. I'm glad we won that. That's always going to be history. The kick, the 2013 season, always going to be history. Like for Christ's sake, ESPN and sports center still play it on their Instagram to this very day because they like, bro, oh you know what I'm saying? But the thing is, is that, despite how amazing that season was and how it changed the, the Auburn culture, where would there's no championship there. You feel what I'm saying? There's no the championship man, there. The man did win a championship as the offensive coordinator. He did. He did. But now but he's I, the head coach. Well, I get, and you know now, what I think happened? I think Malzahn was a victim of his own success. I think he will. I think Malzahn, when you come to Auburn and it's your first year coaching and you take them to the national championship game, you've set a high bar for yourself. You have. And that and that's that's the bar that us Auburn fans have gotten accustomed to. We're like, okay, it's not now this whole thing is no longer just about beating Bama. We've gotten a taste of what it's like to, you know, I mean, and of course, and even me as an Auburn fan, I'm like, when I was growing up around Auburn football, all there was was beating Alabama. That was the whole thing, if anything. But then, of course, you know, with time, my football knowledge has broadened. My passion of the game on a college and professional level has broadened as a fan, as a watcher, as someone who likes to play casually sometimes even. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, I realized, I, I'm like, 
nobody like you can't go up to to other fans of any team let alone Alabama and talk about you know oh we're better than you guys or blah 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 blah. you know what I'm saying we can't say that because the first thing somebody's going to hit us with if you go uh, trash talk a a Clemson fan is oh well we have we've had two national championships back to back in the past where have you been you know what I'm saying you go trash talk Alabama fan you there's no comeback there to say 18, 19 national titles, about to be darn near 20. You know what I'm saying? 20 national titles dating back to the ones that you guys claim, even the ones to this day. But even if they don't count them and they're counting just for the modern era, that's still more than than Auburn has. And so there's no trash talk there. There's nothing to say. In the words and what I got a really big team and they need some really big rings. How dare you use Drake? Dang. I hate <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean overall man it's just like time's out for that you know what I'm saying time's out for just being the team that that's known to you know beat Alabama occasionally no we want chips now it's time to like it's time to move on past that and it's time for championships now and well, t- I mean I mean yeah I mean do I think we made a mistake firing Gus no I don't because you know he's even known to he's thrown his own players under the bus. You know what I'm saying? He's thrown, he's thrown his own players under the bus when it came down to who takes the blame for what and, and what went down. You know what I'm saying? We're sick of just hearing the same old, you know what I'm saying? Well, we'll just have to, uh, we'll just have to do better next time. And, uh, we'll go back. You know what I'm saying? Like the enthusiasm isn't there. Like, even when I like Jesus Christ, like I saw this like commercial on TV where with Gus in it. It was a local commercial. And uh the way he said War Eagle at the end, it was like dead. Like no soul. Uh, well, War Eagle, I guess. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, bro, really? And that doesn't even like begin to like solve that issue that even even when I was down there at the A game, because I t- I tell you this story a billion times and I'll never let that crap go. Because like almost you could feel the tension in the air with that A game. We're wondering why you're not starting Malik uh, Jackson because he's obviously the dual threat type that's got us success in the past. Cam Newton, Nick Marshall, obviously the person you should go with. But for some reason, you choose Bo Nix. And I'm like, okay, all that. They went with daddy's boy. They went like, bro. I I call that boy. He's daddy's boy. I feel you on that, and but I mean, and that's no disrespect to Bonix. I don't, you know, I don't know the man like that. But like, bro, like, I knew that in the long term that this wasn't gonna work out for us because we're getting away from the identity that made us successful in the first place, and now we're having to restart the whole thing from scratch and now build a whole new identity as a team. So it's no longer even fast-paced offense. You know what I'm saying? Auburn fast, sugar huddle, all that's gone with Gus. So now we have to find an identity as an Auburn team on offense and defense again. And we have to find something that's going to be successful enough to win us championships. And so, I mean, and and to that A-game point, you know, seeing Gus, hey, Gus, War Eagle, bro, not saying a damn word. You know what I'm saying? I took that personally as an Auburn fan. I'm like, okay, dude, I'm out here. You know, I don't care that you got half half the whole fandom wanting you gone as head coach. You knew what it was when you took the job. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm out here freaking defending you, you know, uh, as to why you should keep your job. And then, you know, it's like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay. I'll say this too, though. You know, just in his defense, you know, Coach Saban 
he's known for being a lot of things, but and I, from what I heard, Malzahn was always a presence on Auburn. Coach Saban stays locked up in his, we call it the throne room at Alabama. You know, a Nick Saban sighting is incredibly rare. The man's locked up like Fort Knox. You know, we that's because that's because Nick Saban is like, bro, like what's funny? The people who say, go ahead. I'm sorry. I tell you what's funny, bro. You know, you talk about speaking to Gus Malzahn. The one time I met Nick Saban, I, I couldn't even find the words to say. I was just. <laughs> I was just like, uh, you, you fanboy, didn't you? You fanboy. I was like, I tell you what was funny though, and what made me laugh kind of afterwards is that me and this dude are the same height. Dang. Like I'm looking, I looked eye to eye at Saban. This was a couple years ago, but what's funny as hell is that he's got dudes on his team in the past, like Derrick Henry, who are six three, two hundred fifty pound machines, and they're scared to death of this man. Like they, right. like Nick Saban puts the fear of God in people, man. Like I met him and there, and I, he has a reverence. There's a reverence about him where people are like honored to be by his side and like be in his inner circle. Like it's a reverence people have for the man. We we started, you know, what we started calling him at Bama. We started calling that man Thanos, and he's looking to get another. He's looking to get another uh, Infinity Stone. He's a. He's about to get it this year. I know that for a fact. And, and that's a good segue into the second half because you and I had totally different reactions to last night's game. Now, I'll give mine first. Uh, yes. You know, and we're not talking about Bama Notre Dame because there's really nothing. Oh, no. There, there's nothing. Oh, no. There's literally nothing to talk about there other than. Ain't nothing to talk about there. Other than Najee Harris jumping a thousand fucking feet up in the air. Did you see that shit? That's a that's a highlight. That's a that's an iconic yeah, highlight, dude. Like, God, I just hate that the Heisman voting ended before that game. Like, God dang, like, Jesus! Like, I saw that. Just, shit. I was like, damn, they need to start making Air Najis. Forget Air Jordan. Damn, uh, like Jesus. But that was that was crazy. It's the second game that I think people are pretty worked up about because uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Whoop the shit out of Goldilocks and the Clemson Tigers, also known as Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Six touchdowns, bro. Dude, Justin Fields is a monster. That's that's my number one uh, takeaway. People say whatever you want about them not deserving to be there. The one consensus thing that we should all take away from last night is that Justin Fields is the real deal. He is a baller. He is a monster. For him to take a dirty hit like he did to the gut and get up and continue to give Clemson the business, Eric, I don't think I've ever seen a more gutsy performance than that. I don't think I've ever seen it. I mean, just like straight up aired the ball out. Like it was dirty or something. Just aired the ball out. The last time I saw a quarterback just say, I want to win and go out and get it done that badly was Tua Tagovailoa in the 2017 championship game against Georgia. That was the last time I saw a quarterback impress me this much. Like, Justin, bro, I know you probably are never going to hear this, but, dude, I'm honored for Bama to play you. I think we're looking at a classic game, and win, lose, or draw, Ohio State 
you have my respect. Now, I think there's two things that happened yesterday as to why Clemson lost. Two reasons. Number one, Ohio State was motivated by one thing the entire season. They showed it in their workout room, everything. And that was the heartbreaking loss that they suffered last year at the hands of the Clemson Tigers. Like, that game last year was hard to watch. I don't even like Ohio State, and I felt bad for them. Anybody that, yeah. anybody that forgot what happened, you know, Trevor Lawrence threw a pass. The receiver caught it. The corner stripped it away from him, picked it up, ran it back. Should have been a scoop and score. They reviewed it and said that it was an incomplete pass. I thought that was the, you know, you know me, I never blame refs for games, but I will say Ohio State got cheated out of a touchdown on that play. And as the game turned out, Ohio State would have won the game if that would have counted, if everything else played out like it did. So that fueled Ohio State for this game. They remember that. They remembered what happened. And, and the other yeah. and the other thing and and this is why I laughed so hard last night. Dabo Sweeney hadn't been keeping his mouth shut. He uh you know C- coach Saban if if you ever listen to coach Saban talk about a team before he plays them whether it's Clemson, Auburn or some Georgia Southwest Tech military school university he always puts tremendous amounts of respect on them. The best example I can think of was we were playing some nobody team and Coach Saban got pissed off when he was asked, you know, how important is it that the second string quarterback gets to play? And Coach yeah. and Coach Saban said, how the hell you know they're going to get to play? Like what, right. what makes you think you can just sit there and assume that I'm going to get to play my second string because you're assuming the other team's not very good. But you don't recall that in 2011, we gave up over 300 yards rushing to Georgia Southern. We couldn't stop them to save our fucking lives. I'll never forget that game. The 2011 Bama team was probably the scariest defense Saban's ever had. We did win a title that year, but damn it. We couldn't stop for shit. But see, that's the thing. When you put respect on the team's name, you don't give them that extra motivation. You don't give them that. But Dabo Sweeney couldn't keep his mouth shut. And he spent all that time talking about Ohio State doesn't deserve to be here. And, And I love his defense. He's saying, well, I'm not saying that they're not good. I'm just saying they don't deserve to be here. I'm like, bruh, Ohio State is still gonna and you rank them 11th Dabo you rank Ohio State 11th after after that heartbreaking loss they suffered at your hands last year like the, the motivation for Ohio State was undeniable and I've been telling people all week Ohio State is gonna win this game and everybody laughed at me everybody said oh Evan It's going to be Bama and Clemson, Bama and Clemson. I'm like, no, it's going to be Bama and Ohio State. You watch. Now, did I think Justin Fields was going to pop off like he did? No. I thought they'd win. But overall, man, my takeaway was 
talk shit, get hit. Yeah. And your reaction. I, I totally respect that. I understand. I do think that I don't I think Dabo could have put more respect on their name, of course. Um but for me, I mean given COVID, because every conference had the choice to do what they wanted to do due to COVID and, and proceed with caution under the guidelines how they saw fit. And for Ohio State and their program, they chose to play the six games and have a season. I do stand on the fact that I think that they shouldn't have been in the New Year's Six because they only played six games. You know what I'm saying? And it's it, when it came down to those top games, Texas A&M, I mean, last time I checked, they still just had uh, – let me see. Who did, who did Texas A&M just play? They just uh, hit UNC in the Orange Bowl. Yeah, they hit UNC for in the Orange Bowl at number five and still put up 41. To me, I still think that because just – and it's not saying, like I said, I mean, like Dabo said, it's not saying that they're not good, but I'm just going based – for me, I'm going based off who chose to play more games. Texas A&M played more games. They've had a wide variety of opponents, and you know what I'm saying? I think they should have had the shot instead of – Ohio State, you know, and and this is no shade on Ohio State because Ohio State is awesome. Now, as for the game, and I'll keep it brief before we go into commercial break. As for the game, there's nothing I can say except put respect on Ohio State's name. Do it? Did I think they deserve to be there? No, I thought it should have been Ohio State, but the fact that they came out anyway and dropped six touchdowns, Justin Fields dropped six on them in the best. Sugar performance of all time by a quarterback just blew me away, and, and I'm dude, heavily disappointed in Clemson. And for him to do it with a bruised rib from a dirty shot, from a dirty shot, like, like that like, boy was hurt. Like you saw him on the sideline, like he's throwing the ball and wincing in pain and holding his gut, but he's like, "Man, fuck this pain in my side. I'm still gonna give it to Clemson." Like, damn it, Justin, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's one of those gutsiest performances that it it kind of brings you back to those like Tim Tebow, like in the dirty mud, you know, grind all day kind of like performances. Like, you know what I'm saying? It kind of it was that kind of esque performance. But, you know, I put respect on Ohio State's name. You didn't deserve to be there. But the fact that you guys showed up anyway and you laid it on Clemson like that. Can't do nothing about that, but put respect on that. Uh, I'm... And then on top of that. Yep. Huh? I was saying on top of that, Clemson, you just got to wear that L because you, you're the number two ranked. You were the number two ranked <laughs> team in the nation. You were. And you're supposed to be you're supposed to be the one. You know what I'm saying? Got all these NFL teams tanking for Trevor. You know what I'm saying? Got the Jets and Jaguars thirsting over your quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Y'all supposed to y'all have been the antidote for the Alabama dynasty for the past few seasons. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, you know, what happened? You and and you let a team that only played six games do you in like this. So you just gonna have to wear the L. You you just gonna have to wear it. And you're gonna have to eat your words and put respect on that. So you know what I'm saying? They, You went to the field. Y'all lined up 11-11. Y'all played a game. And you got thraxed. Yeah. So, 
that's all there is to it, and and that's all I have to say. I'm going to end it off real quick on this, um, because I know a lot of people. There's a lot of people, um, because one of the questions I love to ask is like, okay, well, if not Ohio State, then who? And to me, this kind of feels like a damned if you do, damned if you don't question. Because think about this. The other two teams, because I've been hearing that neither Notre Dame or Ohio State should have been in. And then the, I'm like, well, who should it have been? And one person said A&M and Cincinnati with A&M at four and Cincinnati at three. And I'm thinking, okay, that really would be damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because if you did it like that, and you put since I would respect and, that. Well, but Eric, if you put Cincinnati on Clemson, the, the Cincinnati team that just got beat by a Georgia team that had a bunch of starters sitting out because they didn't want to play in the bowl game on the offensive and defensive side, they couldn't beat that team. But you're going to put them against Clemson, and you're going to put A and M against the Bama team that already kicked their ass. I mean, that would have been a that would have been guaranteed Alabama-Clemson national championship. I'll say it because nobody else wants to say it. Hmm. I'll say it. Does anybody here in their right fucking mind think that Cincinnati would have seriously beat Clemson? Fuck no. Nobody believes that. Nobody. They are here, dro- they are here dropping games to six-win teams. Hell. Well, apparently. <laughs> Anything's possible for Apparently Clemson. that's but dude, that six win team is Ohio State. They're a phenomenal program. They recruit in the top three every year. They're the Big Ten champions. Justin Fields is the second arguably best quarterback in the league. You can't say jack shit about Cincinnati. They just got beat by Georgia. I don't want to entertain the notion that Cincinnati but th- th- they could have put up a fight against Clemson. Get the fuck out of here. No, they wouldn't. They get their fu- I will say this. I would love for one year, let a group of five team in, let them get fucked by Bama or Clemson or Ohio State or one of the big dogs, and then see what they want to say. I don't know, man. This when it come down to that committee, it I don't know. It's just I, I will know. say this: it, it does get sickening seeing the same four teams in it every year. But I will say, you know, other teams, where you at? Step up, beat Bama, beat Clemson, beat Oklahoma. You know what I mean? Step exactly. Up. Which is why we had to. <laughs> which is why we had to do what we had to do. But, bro, I'm excited for the second half of this because, folks, we're going to witness Jay House history in the second half. In the second half, I'll I'll explain this to y'all in the second half, but in the second half, we're having a three – well, not really a three-way debate, but we're going to have a great debate, and I'll explain what the history is whenever we start. Bet. 100. I'm hyped for it. We'll be right back on break with a word from my local sponsors for the next two or three minutes and we'll be right back this is jay house podcast radio yo yo eric second half half second half what up bro how you doing i'm having you in there bro i'm here you here okay 
What's up, peeps? How we doing today? What up, Matt? How we doing? We good? I don't know what that was. It sounded like like you just snorted crack and then just took a yawn. No, I yawned and then popped on my fingers. Oh, dang. Ouch. He getting ready for this one. I am because it, well, uh, did, did Eric tell you what 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 this what this half's about? Yes. So real quick, ladies and gentlemen, a three way discussion, and I'm excited for this. So if I understand, you guys were debating at work earlier who the better was it? Who is the real leader or who is the better leader? Who is the better? Who is who's who's the better leader between yeah. Cap and Tony? Between Cap and now, Tony. real quick, yeah. j- just for the sake of, of of my ignorance, just to put everything out there, I'm very when it comes to the Avenger comics, I'm not fluent in them because I've grown up on DC. I I have to get into the Avengers, so basically, yeah. all my knowledge of this is straight MCU. It's straight up MCU. Yeah, that's fine. It it could come from. Well, I mean, you, if you, you want, we can. We can. We can. If you want, we can do it to where who's the better uh, leader based off the MCU and not exactly on the comic. That's what that's I, what I, I'd love to keep it that way. So, see you. What we've seen, who's the better leader, Cap or Tony? Yeah, like just like we'll keep we'll keep the comics out of it because if we do the comics, there's multiple universes and that like stacks up on top of each other and it fucking exactly. everything. There's a, there's a lot. There's a lot of different perspectives and cases to make for both of them if we go from the comics. Because like like uh, like like uh, Eric was saying at work, we there's one comic he was reading and fucking Tony was an asshole, didn't deserve to be leader because he just let people die right. at that point. And as I understand it, Matt, you were on the side that that Tony. Is the better leader of the two? Yes. And Eric, you side with Cap? Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm going with Steve on this one. All from right, well, a, and from an MCU perspective. Here's well, I told well. Okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I told you in the last half. I said that J House history was going to be made. Remember, I said that. Just said a minute a minute ago. Yeah. Well, here's the history, Eric. For the first time ever, you and I actually agree on something. Oh shit! <laughs> well, I I was about to, I was about to say now it's changed because now since we're doing the MCU, is because I'll say this from a comic book oh, well, standpoint. Damn them. No, 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 no! It's still history. <laughs> it's still history. It's just that it's still history. It's from a com- from a comic book perspective. I believe Tony is the leader, but since we're keeping it, I mean, I believe Cap is the better leader, but since we're keeping it strictly MCU, there's not, I can't really say that there's been a, an exclusive, explicit, because, okay, from, I, and, I, and I'll start this off to, to begin it. From a branding <laughs> perspective, if we're looking from an outside branding perspective, if we're looking from a you know, face of Marvel perspective, the MCU was started back in 08, and it was Iron Man. Robert Downey Jr. brought Iron Man as a character to new levels never seen before, and without a doubt made him the most popular character in Marvel movie history. So, and not only that, but he's, you know, the leader of the MCU. He's the first one they rallied it around. There's a different... I was under the impression we were debating who's the better leader of the avengers not who's the we are face of the we are 
No, we are. We are. I'm getting to that point. I'm getting okay. to that point. That's that's one thing to say that Iron Man is the face of the Avengers from a outside branding perspective. It's What's a it? whole nother one entirely for me personally to say that he was a better leader than Steve Rogers from a from a from a story perspective, depending on where we're dealing with. But I but I'll, I'll get you guys thoughts on it. What are, what are you guys what are you guys thinking? Okay, I'm just like the fucking uh, just really thinking that Iron Man's just like kind of the better leader. He always has been. Like if you think about it from just like not even like don't even put it into a branding perspective. Or don't even no, put we're it in. Out, no, we're not we're outside of that. I was just, okay, making, this is, I was this just is making that strict, the MCU storyline, what we've seen storyline, what we've you, seen, yeah. You, so you stand. You both of you stand by that Iron Man is the better leader. I I I think Steve. I think Steve. But I mean, it it it's it. My answer is going to be kind of mixed a little bit. But I still think Steve. But go ahead. Uh, I'll, Matt, I'll go let ahead. y'all go. I'll let Matt explain first. Okay. So what, so about why Iron Man is going to be the uh, why I think Iron Man's the better leader. Yeah. Why why some of the points you brought up at work that were interesting. Because unlike Cap, Iron Man has put his whole mind and body into the Avengers. Like, every second of it. Sure. Initially, it's like, the first, like, the first Avengers movie, he doesn't play nice with others. He never has. But eventually, he gets over that, because he needs help. Especially, you see that growth in Iron Man 3. Uh, well, Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3-ish. You see that kind of growth. Because in Iron Man 1, it was just him against everything. And he kind of lost. He 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 lost his trust in people after you know his longtime colleague betrayed him and tried to kill him. And um, so you know he lost trust in people. So I don't blame him for the fact that he wasn't playing nice with others because he lost his trust. And um, but in Iron Man Two, he works with Brody. Him and Brody they work together. Of course, they get in that fight in the middle of Iron Man Two, but they work together. And he trusts Brody. He trusts Brody with his life. Yeah. And in Iron Man 3, a random kid, a random kid from, what was it, Minnesota, helped him. Uh, I believe so, yeah. I believe it was Minnesota. I could be wrong. Um, helped him. Keep in mind, Tony flew all the way from, like, I don't know. I don't think it was Minnesota because he flew from Miami to wherever the fuck. That's a long flight from California. Oh yeah, it was from California. Was it California? It was... It, this was after after um, the Mandarin attacked his house, and I love his um, house was in Miami. No, it was. It's in California. It's always been in California. Not oh, shit. And then, he, and then he had the tower and the Stark Tower. Yeah. But, um, everything fell, and then from there he. Got out the ocean and then flew, and then that's when he crash landed into uh, it's like Minnesota yeah. or something. He trusted yeah. that kid, and he he kind of grew. But in Avengers, which is right before Iron Man two, I believe was it was Iron Man two? No, cool. Iron Man two was before Avengers. Still oh, phase one. Okay, so yeah, he was still not trusting everybody, so he didn't play nice with others, and um. But you can still see him bonding with people, like with um, he bonded with uh, with the Hulk. He bonded he bonded with Bruce Banner, you know, because that was them just in the area, just doing things. 
scientists, yeah. Just scientists. just two scientists doing sciencey stuff, you know, studying the Tesseract. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, you had Cap, who was just trying to get the mission done because he had a very mission mindset at that point. Because you know, he's yeah. still he still he hadn't been out he had been out the ice like for what like a few months. Yeah. He hadn't been out the ice long, so he was still in that mission mindset because he was still stuck in World War Two, kind of era. Yeah. So he was still stuck on that. Yeah. yeah. So he was still stuck in the mission mindset. He was like, "Well, we got to get this done," and that's where him and that's where him and Tony clashed because you know Tony Tony is kind of go with the flow at this moment, and he's trying to get done, but he's still you know he's going at his own pace. Yeah. And they got into that you know that iconic fight. You know, take your suit off. What are you? Yeah. Um. I know guys with with that with none of that were ten of you. You know. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was iconic. Yeah. Yeah. That whole that whole uh, that whole debate that they had. Mm-hmm. And so he didn't play match with letters at that point. And so he wasn't the leader. At this point, Nick Fury was the leader of the Avengers. Because no one, no one in the Avengers lineup was mature enough or in the right mindset enough to become the leader of the Avengers. Yeah. Like at all. But of course, you know, Tony had the money. So he had Stark Towers, which he ended up renaming to Avengers Tower. He had the branding, the tech. Yeah, the branding, the tech, everything. He even had the Avengers Institute that he put in upstate New York. Yeah. Uh, That was later, after Ultron. Um, Yeah. But, so he was, neither of them were the leaders. Neither of them were mature enough to be a leader of the Avengers. But each of them had their own shape. She's, you know, um, so, yeah, so, Shield sent after after Avengers, Iron Man was Iron Man wasn't a part of Shield. He was still doing what he did, which is where you know, in between Avengers yeah. and Iron Man three, he didn't do much growing. Yeah. There was not really much to do, and he was still working on Stark uh, Avengers Tower. And um, so, Captain America he got sent on missions by Shield, and of course this is where he met Falcon, and where him and Natasha got closer, and. She's like that. Then Winter Soldier happened. No. Yeah. He was not. Yeah, Winter Soldier was before Avengers uh, 2. Yeah, it was. Ar- arguably the best of the MCU films. Arguably. Well, debatable. 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 Which one? Winter Soldier. Uh, Winter Soldier. It's Winter def- Soldier is in my top five. five. That's, it's that's, in my top five, yeah. I mean, the, the fight scene. I mean, they they put on a clinic with the choreography of them fights. I'm telling you, like I was like, it took. I believe I read a thing. It took them like a hundred and something times to get that that one that one clip right, where Bucky flips the knife middle as they're punching, flips the knife, punches him, grabs the knife, and it's in a different hand position, which yeah. I thought was amazing. Um. I will not tell you the countless times that I have attempted that when I was younger and cut my <laughs> hand open. Uh- <laughs> I, 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 I would dare say that, like, because I went to go see Winter Soldier in theater, and this this mm-hmm. ties into my point a little bit. I went to go see Winter Soldier in theaters. It was one of those sleeper movies that I wasn't expecting to be the way it was, and it ended up turning into a political thriller uh, that included oh. espionage. And for me... um. 
I thought that a lot of yeah up until that point with Avengers and then you know um you know of course the first Avenger movie yeah Cap to me was do it by the book goody two shoes you know what I'm saying of course he's still standoffish because like you said they got their own different mission ideals of what's going on in Avengers you know um Cap is still obviously focused on Hydra, which he was right about, you know, still manufacturing weapons for S.H.I.E.L.D. and all that, and S.H.I.E.L.D. having those in possession and S.H.I.E.L.D. using them. He felt some kind of way about that. Um, him and Stark having that sort of clash of leadership. Um, but then Winter Soldier, for me, is one of those films that breaks that goody two-shoes routine up. I love a film that that breaks, that breaks that, you know, I love, that's why I'm so high on Man of Steel. That's why I'm high on Batman. I'm high on any superhero movie that that's willing to break down that, that goody two-shoes barrier that some certain heroes try to uphold, you yeah. know, let them know this is how it really works. So Cap finding out that, this force that he fought for shield you know the people he's he's fought with his whole life to find out that even back then he didn't even have a foot in the game because hydra was behind all that totally changed the dynamic of how cap acted moving forward yeah that, know, that's where the you know sokovia accords and all that how civil sokovia war that's what started yeah. with the snowball effect that 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 uh that civil war yeah, so so by the time we get and right, you're right about that. So by the time we get the Civil War, for me, I think it's more about it. Where in the beginning it was about Cap doing right by the country. It was about Cap, you know, being government first and things. Now it's the dynamic switch. Now he's all about, you know, what I'm. He's not. He's all about, you know, doing what's right regardless of, you know, no matter who it is that's in the way. To whereas Tony has sort of flipped. Tony was, you know, loose. He really could care less about the government. That's dating back to Iron oh, Man. Oh, wait, oh, wait. I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. Don't get ahead of me. Don't get ahead of me. I'm getting to that. My get bad. My bad. My the bad. Whole, my there's bad. a whole thing I prepared. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm still waiting parallel. over here to hear why Cap's the better leader. Or why Iron Man's That's what I'm getting. That's what I'm getting. Hold on. I'm getting. I'm, it, it, I was getting to that, but Eric interrupted me. Eric, shut up. My bad. Go ahead. Go, go okay. ahead. Go ahead. So I want what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to give both sides a perspective of their growth, and then at the end, why I think right at the end of Endgame, why Iron Man was the better leader, because each of them had their own growth throughout it, and they changed who they were initially. Yeah. yeah. But so during during between Iron Man between Avengers and Iron Man three, there was not really any growth for Tony because he was just off doing his own thing. Uh, but Captain America, you know, he had the big goody two shoes things we were saying, but Winter Soldier kind of fucked him over with that because yeah. he was like, he was like, oh, he's like, well, Shield, he's like, you know what happened, but he also he was questioning that to begin with because Tony even because Nick even said he was like, oh, well, these new things, he's like, they'll be able to uh, identify a terrorist or a threat before they're even before even, they're even born, yeah, before they even walk out the door, and then Cap wasn't too okay with that because he's like, well, shouldn't isn't the idea that you get punished after you do the crime? Yeah. And so that's where he started questioning shield as it was. Cause he's like, that's not, he's like, that's, that's not, that's, he's like, not that's, right. that's too, there's too much power. They're, they're having, they're giving too much power. He's like, you, sh- you can't do that because don't forget in world war two, he saw what happened when you give someone too much power. Yeah. And that's, that's where his ideals start to come in because he's like, well, this he's like, I've seen this before. He's like, I've seen this happen before. A billion times, yeah. A billion times, and then of course, you know, um, he ends up going to that that old bunker 
and he sees it. He sees what happened, and he sees that you know that that um, fucking America was like, oh well, Nazi Nazi scientists, your pardon, come come on, come on into the government, and that's a real thing that happened. Like that's that's actually yeah. a real thing that happened. Yeah, Nazi scientists were pardoned, and America kind of grabbed them. They're like, oh, well, we could use them, and uh, that's why we got like nuclear power and all that shit. They we we use them. We we pardon people who were like that just so we could have it, and they still have their ideals going. We even right. pardon people who were up close and personal with Hitler just because they were scientists. That's actually shit that happened in real life. And I was like, so this this is like so my knowledge of history, and then this shit kind of like merged for me, and this is where I started realizing exactly what's going on. Yeah. And so, and so he realized that you know the government and his goody. He realized the government, the shield, and the government were not on his side anymore. Right. And of course, you know, he ended up fighting Bucky, and he had to fight his own friend, which kind of tore him up. Yeah. And so he was like, "Oh well, shit! This is this is not exactly the greatest thing. This the shield is not good." He was like, "Shield's not okay." So of course, yeah. you know, he destroyed the helicarriers and destroyed the shield building. With the helicarriers. Yeah. And he fucking dipped. He just vanished. He vanished for a little bit. Yeah. Because he was like, I don't he's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. He goes, Shield's gone. I can't. He's like, he's like, I he's like, I can't fucking what the fuck. Can't can't deal with that. Yeah. But uh then you know, Age of Ultron came around. Yeah. And uh they were like, Well shit, you know, we gotta stop Robot Man. <laughs> of course, we gotta stop Robot Man because you know he stopped Captain America stopped doing shit with Shield, but he also started, but he kept doing shit with the Avengers. Like their their missions, he kept doing it. So like when they were hunting down the Tesseract, they were hunting down Loki Scepter. They were like, "Well, shit, you know, we gotta get this." Yeah, and so so he was still with the Avengers, and of course, you know, he kept saying he kept calling some shots. You know, like the whole language thing, which I still find is the funniest fucking line of all of Age of Ultron. Fight me for that. I love that line. Just that one line. Language. <laughs> but, uh, but no, like, um, but, of course, you know, he's, he, he really wasn't calling the shots in that fight. It was Tony. Tony called the shots in that fight. He was telling him, he's like, oh, we got some force field. And he was going, well, actually, actually another thing about it, Natasha was the one calling the fight, shots for that fight. That first fight in the movie. You can say that. Yeah, yeah. Natasha, Natasha was the one calling the shots. Because Natasha, yeah. she is a really good leader. She is a natural born. Like, even in after, uh, even at the beginning of Endgame, she was the one leading S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Like, they could have put Captain America. No, they put they put Natasha. Natasha was, because she's a leader. Like, dead ass. Yeah. But this is the same about her. Uh, the same about her. But, um, so, and of course, we know that Tony got that vision in the place uh, that Wanda gave him. Was that? Oh, you know, everybody's gonna, everybody's gonna die. Oh shit, everybody's gonna die. Yeah, Earth's gonna. Get also, a, re- a really cool detail that I actually that I say like um, Cap Shield, the way it looks. There's a big. There's like a so half of it's gone, which we know was a call up to Endgame. But yeah. it's, there's a bit of it that's bent forward. It's bent towards whoever. It's as if someone punched through it. Uh, that wasn't a part of Cap Shield. I like that because, however, th- that one bit of his shield is the same way that Ultron's chest is after Wanda rips out his heart. Yeah, that was pretty cool. It was a little nod nod to how Ultron's going to die. 
Um, Crazy. Without even realizing, because they were both made of vibranium. Yeah. Crazy. Anyway, um, but this is this is this is kind of where um, this is kind of where Tony starts to shift. This is this is where he slowly starts to shift because he's already been through the events of Iron Man three, where he's lost it, where he lost almost everything, and he's yeah. already got his he's already the shrapnel's gone. Um, the shrapnel was the shrapnel of his chest was gone. Also, a really cool uh, really cool thing is Tony in, in the beginning of Iron Man three, whenever it flashes back to the party. Tony bumps into he bumps Jensen. into he bumps into no not, not not Jensen he bumps into this Asian guy and it's just like you know Tony's being himself so he's like making jokes on this you don't really notice it that guy is the same person who performs Tony's heart surgery to get the shrapnel out. oh that was interesting which thing is really cool because it shows how much he's grown because you know he he also thinks about his stuff he like he he also kept you know throwing out promises like oh i'll meet you on the roof and just forget about it which um eventually you know he he ends up thinking about things you see that in end game whenever tony's like oh whenever they walk up now like hey we need you and tony just doesn't say yes he's like well oh, think about it he thought about it for a while and then went back to him and was like we'll do it but anyway uh this is around the time where he starts to shift because you know everything's starting to get because he decided he was gonna fuck with ultron and made an AI, and he was like, oh, this is amazing, and it backfired, because he was like, well, this shit, he's like, he's, like well, he's not regulated, nothing about this is regulated at all, it's just a bunch of people in a building with superpowers that end up going and stopping, quote-unquote, bad yeah. guys, doing more harm than good, this is where Tony starts to see this, because he knows the people who died in the New York invasion. And then, of course, we had that mother who came to him and was crying to him because her son died in Sokovia because a building it, fell. He was almost out of Sokovia and a building fell and it crushed him. Um, and he died yeah. in Sokovia. And plenty of other people died in Sokovia as well. Hypocrite. <laughs> shut up. Anyway. Um, she's a, shut she's up. She's a bloody, she's a bloody hypocrite. Shut up. A child dying in Sokovia. And then turn around and flood the streets of Harlem with well, drugs, okay, so that very, Luke very Cage quickly, can't fight I gotta that interject shit. But go ahead. But go I ahead. I'm sorry. That's the side here. Because yeah, but go, go ahead. Evan. The 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 crux. Because I, I have to throw my argument out there real quick for Cap. Mm-hmm. And my, my argument for Cap is very short. I have bits and pieces everywhere, but my biggest point and the reason and I'm, I'm gonna say this: I understand why so many people want to give it to Tony. He's the one who sacrificed himself at the end of Endgame. He went one-on-one with Thanos more than anybody else. Like, you know, give him that. That was awesome. Yeah. Captain America Captain America Civil War for me showed me that Cap is definitely the better leader. And here's why. Tony, you know, I went back and we rewatched that movie, Eric, whenever we uh, after we had our little discussion about Batman v Superman and Civil War. Yeah. And I realized something. The entire premise of that movie is Tony's like, I made a mistake, so we need to punish all of the Avengers for it because I messed up. Like, I feel bad. I made a mistake. So as a result, you know, we should probably be controlled by the government now. And all that becomes pro government. And that goes for everybody here. 
not just me. No, the government can't just regulate my work and what I do because I don't have any real superpowers. I'm just everything I have, I've built. You know, my, it, it can't just be my research. No, 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 no. It's got to be all of us. Everybody. You know, we're, we're just. Yeah, that is true. He gave up. Yeah. He was trying to give up leadership. He was trying to give it up. And Cap is over there like, you got to be fucking kidding me. The government? Really? Yeah. The, the, the guys that, you know, that, that, you know, I just found out all this fucked up shit and stuff like, that's the motherfuckers you want to trust? And they're going to run the Avengers. So for me, that one yeah. moment that the whole Civil War thing to me, that was like, nah, Cap's the leader of the Avengers. And then, you know, in Endgame, who was the one who led the charge? Cap, the Avengers assembled. The battle on Wakanda, it was him and T'Challa running out in the first Avengers movie, you know, when they were fighting Loki. Cap was calling the shots, you know, Tony. Damage control, Hulk, Smash. Cap was the one out there. He's calling the plays. He's calling the shots. And Ultron, yeah, it would make sense that Tony's calling the shots and saying what they need to do. He's the one that made him. He's the one that made him. Like, Avengers 2 could be titled Avengers 2. Cap fucked up. Tony fucked up. Yeah, Cap. No, Tony fucked up. Tony Tony fucked up. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. So now I under I mean it's one thing to have a guilty conscience. I, I commend Tony for you know he wanted to right the wrong. At the end of the day, he wanted to right the wrong. He's confronted by that lady. But I draw I drew that line when he started when he said that line. That, you know, there's no discussion I have here. We need to be put in check, whatever form that takes. I'm. Oh yeah, that was. That was yeah. a dumbass line. Me? I will admit that. Like, does that sound like something a leader would say? Fuck no. Fuck no. Not at all. Huh. I, I'll give it's, you this. It's to me, the, I'm sorry the, to cut you off, Eric, but to me, this no, goes back good. to an argument I've had a lot of times with people about Batman or Superman. Who's the real leader of the Justice League? Listen, I'm about as big a Batman fan as you're ever going to find. I am as I, I am the I am the yeah. biggest Batman fan I know. I think I'm the biggest one Eric knows. But I would never say yeah. in a million years that Batman is the real leader of the Justice League. He might be No, it's Wonder Woman. He, no. He might be the strategist. He might be the one behind the scenes doing the work. But in the original Super Friends, in the in most comics, the person and it makes sense that he would sit there is Superman. Yeah. Superman yeah. has always he has always been the leader. And it makes sense because one of the most important qualities of a leader is to motivate. Tony Stark can't motivate Dick. I love Tony. He's great. He's a great character. He's not the kind of guy you'd want motivating you. Like his whole little speech in Civil War about being put in check, I'm like, good God. This is depressing. And Cap's the one over there saying, wait, dude, we're the Avengers. You know, what we do is right. We're the good guys. That's leadership. That's what a leader does. Like, you know, and then flipping that over to Justice League. I mean, I can understand why Jason Todd and Dick Grayson and all these other uh, 
members of the Bat family get fed up with Bruce's leadership because he's so damn negative. Well, yeah, because, you know, you know, Superman and Wonder Woman are the leader of the Justice League, and Batman is the leader of Batman. Yeah, Batman's going to well, do yeah. what Batman wants to do regardless of the Justice League or the Bat family, so... What, but also, Batman that? is terrifying. Like, deadass. I still remember this one comic where, uh, so young, the young Justice, they're going around and doing stuff, and they're spying on Superman and Batman. And of course, um, Jason has a pair of uh, a pair of binoculars, and he's looking out, and Batman's looking out a window, and he's like, "Oh, he's saying something," and they're like, "Oh, can you read lips?" He's like, "Yeah." I'm like, what are you saying? He says, "Jason, put down those binoculars." He's like, he's terrifying. Yeah. Okay. But see, my, my, my whole point wrapping this up is like, you know, we, we were talking about, and I actually have to leave here in a sec. Got to cut my part of the podcast short, but I hope the two of you guys have a great continual of the conversation. Um, Absolutely. But my whole thing with this, when I heard the question, if you would have the better character, who's the more interesting character? Whose comic do I want to read? Iron Man. And yes, I will con- yeah. I will concede that Tony has had a lot more of an arc and a storyline and a character development than Cap has. Cap has just kind of been the his personality it's amazing really that you know Cap and Tony their personalities are almost not quite almost identical to Batman and Superman's. They're very similar in their personalities. Only difference is One's a bigger version of the other. Like, Cap is a goody two-shoes. Superman is the ultimate goody two-shoes. Tony may be a bit of a pessimist at times. There's not a bigger pessimist in all of DC than Bruce Wayne. Like, but, you know, the question was leadership. And for me, and now there may be Marvel comics where where, where Iron Man is the leader. You know, but when it comes to the MCU... Like what what I saw in a civil war and the way Tony just, you know, he, he wasn't even willing to hear cap out on anything he had to say, you know, he, he just, and he's like, Oh no, fuck it. We're fighting. We're here. We're fighting, you know? So yeah, for me, cap is the better leader because Tony tried to sell out the Avengers. And for me, that basically disqualifies him for, for me. I, I respect that. The I think, and in closing, I think like it's crazy how because in the, for Batman and Superman, their positions never change. Superman is always going to be pro government, what's best for the people because that's where he is. And for Batman, he's always going to be like, "F the government, I'm gonna do what I want." With Tony and Iron Man, with Tony and Cap, though, Tony starts out as anti-government. Rhodey uh, says, "Hey, start. They're gonna come up here." They're going to blow down the doors and they're going to take your suits, man. The government wants to take you. Tony's not having that. He doesn't care. He's Iron Man. By the time we reach Civil War, Tony is the biggest pro-government advocate you'd ever seen. Not the biggest, but yeah. Not the biggest, but he's there. You know what I'm saying? And then for Cap, of course, we all know how he started out. And then now he's like, I'm not doing what the government says. I don't care if I have the American flag on my chest. I have, or in my costume, I got to do it. He has the flag of Puerto Rico on his chest for sure. Yeah. And it's just like, 
you know, it's an interesting dynamic. And for me, I, for me, and I've and I've, I've changed my position, but like, you, it depends on what pers- what who you took sides with. That was the whole marketing for Civil War. Who do you agree with? Who are you taking sides with? Cap or Iron Man? So, because it it didn't matter. Because at the end of the day they were going to have to come together anyway to face Thanos and do all that. That was the point of that anyway. But depending on who's the leader of the Avengers, I think now looking back at it in retrospect, it depends on who point of view you went with. Do you agree with Cap that we should be able to do what we need to do anyway, regardless of government regulation? Or, you know, are you more with Tony? We need to be put in. We need to handle our business and be regulated. So I, I think it just, it just, you know, in closing, it just all depends on who, yeah. who you, who you ride. In closing, I was just, I was just like, uh, in closing, I just wanted to sit there and just lay everything out so the like the the listeners can, yeah, make their own judgment Under- and we can try and decide context, yeah, you know, because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to make them think they're, oh, you know, Tony's the best. I give them all things later down, but I, there's one thing I will say. The whole reason I think Tony was the greatest leader was because there's one thing that's consistent across Tony. Everything that he's in, yeah, Tony's willing to die to protect people. Make the sacrifice play. Make the sacrifice play. He's willing to die for everybody. Think about it. Tony died to defeat Thanos. Yeah, everybody's like, "Well, Captain America died too." It's like, "Well, yeah, Captain America went back in time and lived his entire life a happy life." He did, and then died. He did. Tony got Tony got his his daughter. He had a wife. He was happy. And he doesn't get to see them grow up. Yeah. That's hero life. Mm-hmm. That's how it is. It's crazy. That's how it be. But man, this was a good one, bro. Do you think do you think Captain America ever told um Peggy that he fucked her niece? I don't think that that is implied in the in in, in the films. I don't think Steve actually he fucked did that. her niece. He, he fucked her niece. He did not. Do you th- do do have you seen her? She is hot as hell. He fucked her. Steve niece. is not that kind of guy. They may have gotten close, but Steve is not that kind of guy. Gotten Jeez. close as in button, as in the butt naked tango close. Bro, Steve is not that kind of guy. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, you're right. He at least took on a date first. Yeah. Um. Oh, oh my God, <laughs> Jesus Christ! You said yeah. Jesus I Christ. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess this is a good place to you know. Close out. Heck yeah, man. This is a good way to end the first podcast of the year. Got a lot more to come, man. A lot more. Oh, shit. This is the first podcast of the year. 2021. 2021. <laughs> All right, bro. Well, have a good one, man. This is a good podcast. All right. See you, man. See you, man. <laughs> Peace, Pete. You're now listening to J House Podcast Radio in five, four, three, two, one. Thank you for joining. This has been another edition of J House Radio. Thank you for joining. This has been another edition of J House Radio.